the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Maximum Overdrive, starring Emilio Estevez, Laura Harrington, and Pat Hingle. Who made who? Who made you? Who made who? (laughs) Well, wait, did I make you or did you make me? (laughs) We made you! We made you! Hey, hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, hey, Bubba. Oh, my God. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, my brother from another mother, Zach Bubba Schaefer. I had to, buddy. I had to. I was waiting for it. I was just going to say, just call me Bubba. <laughs> just call me Bubba, okay? <laughs> and then they'll talk like this and they'll scream like this. Oh, no. Oh, man. We have so much to talk about in Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King's cocaine-fueled directorial-only debut ever, and this is it, Uh, Maximum Overdrive, based on his short story, Trucks. Uh, Trucks. Dude, with a kick-ass soundtrack by ACDC, so we got to talk about both. Um, what is your familiarity with Maximum Overdrive, and what are your thoughts on ACDC in general? I watched this movie repeatedly back in the day on VHS from the rental store, and then, of course, on HBO over and over and over again. I hadn't seen it in maybe 15, 20 years, so when I watched it the other night, I was like, oh, I forgot about how much I love this movie and how one scene after another, I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, yep. I, I know it's coming now. Oh, I remember that guy. Uh, I loved it. I loved it then. We'll see if I love it now. Uh, and ACDC is fantastic, whether it's Bon Scott or Brian Johnson uh, as the vocalist. And this was the Brian Johnson years because Bon Scott had passed away, obviously, at this point. And it's as far as soundtrack scores go, it's phenomenal. It's dare I say, dare, dare. Uh, one of the best horror movie scores in a long that, that especially in the 80s and the original songs are great who made who is fantastic it's not my favorite i think my favorite is probably thunderstruck um that's probably my favorite but i love acdc i love acdc love them wow (laughs) dude for those about to rock fire you literally stole every word out of my mouth uh, I have the exact same experiences with you. Um, I love the same ACDC song. Uh, Thunderstruck is, is also my favorite. Love it. Love its use in uh, Varsity Blues, by the way. It was a great so use. So do I. <laughs> I think they used it. Didn't they use it in Black Hawk Down, too? Or they they used it in something else yeah. that had the sim- similar effect where you're like, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. But, dude, same as you, man. I watched this movie freaking religiously as a kid uh, so much. Same as you. And I hadn't seen it probably in like 20 years. But watching it, 
it's just it's all flooding back to me like like a like a comforting like food you know i'm just like i love watching this movie i love inhabiting its world um it's it's gruesome it's scary but it's also it's a little you know lighthearted and it is what it is like it's not trying to be something else and i want to say Stephen King gets so much shit for this movie. I don't think it's that bad. Like, I mean, you obviously we love it, but at the same time, we can tell when movies are good or bad, even if we do love them. I think this is a competently made movie. I think this movie's leaps and bounds better than Cyborg. Uh, I think this movie's better than Shopping Mall. And, you know, those are two movies that people pop boners over. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite movie of all time. And that's totally fine if that's your favorite movie of all time. God bless you. This movie is really good overall. I mean, it's does it have flaws? Yeah, but every movie has flaws. Is it silly or ridiculous? Yes. I have more problems with certain acting choices than I do the actual movie itself or actors, and to be specific, because I'm not a fan of their acting style. Um, I, I think this movie is smart and, and, and in the sense that it's taking a concept that had never been done before, uh, whether it tracks all the way through like, well, why did he get to drive his car when all these other cars are not working? Yeah. There's issues with that, but who cares? Like at least everyone's wearing, uh, the right clothes when they're supposed to, at least the stunt doubles all match up when they're supposed to, like there's so many movies that we love on this show that you could easily tear apart with a magnifying lens if you wanted to. This movie, I get it. It gets a lot of crap from people. And we're going to call shit out. Don't worry. Of course. But maybe maybe that's because Stephen King is, is held on such a high pedestal. Maybe that's why. Because it's like, oh, this guy is the greatest horror writer of all time. And then he's going to make a movie. And then the movie comes out and it doesn't live up to the expectations. Is it better than an M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yes. Yeah. Is it better than almost all M. Night Shyamalan movies? Yes. So, I mean, there's countless movies that fall under the horror thriller genre that are are below this one. I love it. I love this film. I I love it in the like masterpiece sense. It's got it's got really fun moments in it. Yeah, and you know, having done the Carpenter Factor with you for about a year and a half on our Patreon page, if you guys want to check that out, patreon.com/podcastingafterdark. Um I realized that if you kind of take out Emilio Estevez, and I do have a little bit of an asterisk to that, but if you take him out of it for this time period, it's almost like a Carpenter movie because everyone in it, it's like an ensemble cast. And yeah, Emilio's character Bill Billy, he see is central but, you know, mo- no more so than maybe McCready was in, in The Thing. But everyone else gets a lot of screen time as well. Now, Emilio Estevez was a huge name back then. But now I think he's not – he's still big. I mean, everyone knows who he is, but he's not as big. So it almost – watching it now almost makes it feel more like an ensemble cast. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not the biggest Emilio Estevez fan when it comes to being a lead actor in a movie, carrying a movie. Are you a big fan of his bloodshot eyes? No, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I, so he, right before this one, he did Wisdom, I believe, and uh, or right after. I think it was right before with uh, Demi Moore. And people were like, ooh, it's me, Lou Estevez, and Wisdom. And then he comes out and you're like, nah, it's okay. It's okay. 
you know, I like him on as a as a character actor, ensemble Breakfast Club, Repo that Man. Was then this is now Repo Man. He's definitely an ensemble actor because I think Harry Dean Stanton is more of the lead in that movie. Yeah, overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of like when he became Mr. Mighty Ducks guy, and I know people are love those that franchise. Never whatever. even it's seen not it for me. Yeah, it's not whatever. It's not for me. I thought he was okay in in The Outsiders. Like, I'm not a huge Emilio guy. If I had to choose between him and Charlie Sheen, I'd take Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially back in this time. Uh, what was yeah. that movie Cadence we talked about with Charlie Sheen? Cadence, yeah. brah, <laughs> dude. Um, but. So like so the reason I picked this now and this is one of the movies that's been on my list like in my head since the inception I knew we were going to get to it. Um you know the Vestron Vestron Blu-rays I I enjoy them but they're a little bit pricier um so I kind of waited a little bit but watching you know doing the believers Cam Sully you know had us do the believers and we see Martin Sheen in it and I just like I also watched Repo Man yeah, you know around that same time and everything and I was just like gosh man like Emilio Estevez just looks so much like his dad and everything. And I was like, you know yeah. what? Let's just do it. Let's just bump up Maximum Overdrive because, you know, it, it's time. And so the Believers kind of pushed this forward. And it's perfect uh, for me. This is my first movie breakdown of Season 5. Uh, season 5 kicked off a couple episodes ago. Zach's uh, first official one was Dr. Mordred. But it technically kicked off with our uh, uh, comic strip, um, TV Obscura. But uh, this is my yeah. first breakdown of this season and i and this is a big one for me man like i said watched it a ton as a kid rented it a ton i so i guess it was a it was a staple of hbo back in the day wasn't it oh yeah big time i think it was yeah it was everywhere on hbo because overall it's gory but it doesn't really have you know anything else i mean it's got swearing in it but a little bit there's no nudity really and that was always the big deal, you know, the big marker. Except for all the 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 Bush pictures of naked ladies and Bush on the uh, wall in the room where I guess Brett and Bill are, are sleeping. You know, I was like, I wonder. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I wonder if that low. I want uh, lat low. I wonder if that though uh, factors into a, a rating because you look at something like just one of the guys and her uh, Billy, the 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 brother has you know, centerfolds all over his walls. And that was a PG-13 movie. Yeah, yeah. And then you can, you know, I guess blur that out for TV and stuff. But you're, you're right. Uh, it's not, I'm watching it, and I actually, I really like the squibs. The squibs are real juicy in this movie. I enjoyed so that. So good. But aside from that, in some of the dead bodies in the background, it really isn't all that gory. Um, we've seen worse, uh, but it's it's definitely earns its its rated R and everything. But for me as a kid, and even now watching it, I am shocked at how many kids die in this movie. I mean, th- that's that's one of the highlights, right? You know, it, sorry, like I don't mean it in the in that gross way, but it's true. It's like it's one of the highlights of the movie is is seeing the carnage that in, that ensues uh, in that baseball scene, especially kid getting run over by the steamroller now. I know that, you know, I was, you know, we were both around that kid's age when when this movie came out. And as as a kid, for me, seeing someone my age getting some, you know, so having his peers killed and stuff like that gruesomely, that was kind of right. like the blob when we, you know, covered that, the remake of the blob where that kid gets blobbed, you know, in the sewers. That just, it kind of traumatized me in, in the blob, but not as much here um, in this, but I'm watching it now, and that, like I said, that one kid gets run over by the steamroller. That's pretty fucking graphic, and that's a supposed to be a 12 to 13, 14-year-old kid. Right, yeah. 
It's it's brutal. Did that affect you though as a kid? Like seeing other kids your like people your age get in peril like that? Oh no, not at all. Like it it didn't bother me <laughs> because your life was already such peril. Yeah, because I didn't have trauma as was. So there you go. Touche. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Let's uh, just run me over a, <laughs> yeah. with a steamroller. You're like, please, please, just run me over at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say really quick. Yeah, as we're starting to talk about the what we'll launch into the cast and crew, right? Uh, just it, to, to wrap up Emilio, Emilio wisdom came out the same year as maximum overdrive, by the way. And I was thinking about him like young guns. Did I like him the most in young guns? No, he was my, one of my least favorite of the Cowboys in young guns. Uh, as and of course he survives and he goes on to young guns too. men at work. I think Charlie Sheen, I think I liked him more in men at work than Charlie Sheen. Uh, Stakeout, I'm not a fan of that movie. So, like, overall, I'm not a huge Emilio guy. That was then, this is now. If you guys have never seen that, you should check it out. Now, it's funny that you bring all of those up because I've seen them all, but I don't really, like, he doesn't jump to my head like, oh, this is an Emilio Estevez movie type of thing. Exactly. Even in Maximum Overdrive, when I think back into my mind's eye, I picture the the Green Goblin truck. I picture, you know, the waitress chick screaming, you know, we made you and then getting gunned down. Like, I don't yeah. really, I mean, I'm not surprised when I see Amelia Estevez in it. Like, I know he's in it, but he doesn't just jump out in my head. No, me neither. Me neither. I, I, I think, um, you know, where he's been like a lead actor. Did you ever see the segment he was in in Nightmares where he plays the arcade game and he gets sucked into the video game? Mm-mm, no, no. Uh, we might have to put that on the list of pad movies nightmares okay it's a it was a cool anthology okay all right um so obviously since stephen king the director has only done this movie let me ask you what's your steve favorite stephen king novel or story yes yeah, story would be the raft uh in i believe it's skeleton crew or it's different seasons it's one of those anthologies it's one or the other i think it might be skeleton crew um that the raft obviously they made that into the creep show yeah. segment creep show two that's my favorite story of stephen king i didn't know that that was based on a stephen king story yeah yeah it's called the raft cool it's and it's almost it's almost identical to the uh, the 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 segment in creep show two is almost identical to the story itself okay it's pretty damn authentic Okay. Um, I'd probably say uh, The Mist. I very much enjoyed The Mist. I read it later. Actually, when The Mist came out on DVD, I don't even think it was Blu-ray. It came out on DVD. It, it came at Best Buy. It came with uh, the book with it. And I was like, okay, sure. And I was like, oh. it was one of the few movies that I had purchased that I'd never even seen. I didn't see The Mist. And I watched it twice. And the same day, I watched the black and white version second. And I watched the regular version first. But then I read the book. I was like, cool. That, that was a great purchase on my end. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should talk about the cinematographer because he lost his eyeball because of this movie. <laughs> wow. So apparently okay. there was a, a mishap with uh, the lawnmower, um, the radio-controlled lawnmower that chases the the kid, um, and it apparently it veered off course, and it hit, I think, uh, uh, some wooden sticks that were holding up a camera or something like that. And, of course, it ground into them shooting splinters, out of it and apparently one of the splinters hit him in the eye and he had to he eventually lost his eye because of it wow um and he sued stephen king i think personally um this is oh god this is armando nanuzzi is uh is the cinematographer 
Um, yeah, and he's he's yeah, Italian, right? I yeah. believe because so, this is a this is a Dino De Laurentiis uh, production. Yes, yes, and D, uh, De Laurentiis obviously is is a master producer. He's ma- he's produced over 190 movies. Um, it's crazy, you know. His his I think his his whole family is in the production business. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you, you look up his resume, and it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and as far as the cinematographer goes, like he's the only thing I recognize that he's done besides Maxim Overdrive is that Frankenstein Unbound movie. Uh, with John Hurt was in it. Oh yeah, that was pretty bad. I know, but you remember the post- it was a Roger Corman movie. Yes, it was. It was, and and Raul Julia was in it too, and Bridget Fonda. Like you think that yeah. would have been a hit? Nope, it was a miss. <laughs> nope, <laughs> not a huge fan of Frankenstein either. Same, you know that 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 monster. I'm like, what what is he? He's okay. There's there's oh I have sympathy for this guy. He's, I, give me Dracula or Wolfman any any day. Wolfman. Wolfman. <laughs> um, real quick, I do want to say uh, I watched on the Vestron Blu-ray. Um, has a great collection of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. And I watched the interview with uh, Holter Graham. He plays Deke, the kid in the movie. Uh, oh, cool. He's from Baltimore, Maryland, by the way. Um, cool. And he said, I, this, I just want to re- retell this one story he had from set. And he goes, uh, he walked by Stephen King. He saw that he was, like, working on a computer, like, in the grass under some shade. And, you know, he's just, like, typing away. And he goes, he walks up to him just to be like, hey, how's it going and everything. And Stephen King looks up. He goes, I think I got a good one this time. It has a clown in it. And he was essentially writing it at the same time he was also directing and everything. And I think that's cool. Cocaine. Wow. Yeah. Yes, big time. Yeah. Hey, kid, you want some candy? <laughs> My God, cocaine is amazing. All right, yeah, it is. <laughs> take us into. I mean, the, I wouldn't know. <laughs> take us into the. Me neither. Take us into the cast, bro. I mean, besides Emilio, and but we got Pat Hingle plays Hendershot. And Bubba. Pat Hingle is a legendary actor. Um, I mean, I Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> Batman, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just he's one of those guys who's just been in a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, from the Quick and the Dead and Batman, and yeah, like so many classic kind of hang 'em high. And um, yeah, Commissioner Gordon, obviously in the Batman series, he's a legendary actor, mm-hmm. and he plays. Uh, the most one of the most unlikable people uh like this movie effectively uh this movie does a good job of effectively hating certain people like you hate them yeah yes (laughs) and you are satisfied when they're dead you're like okay yeah he deserved it or she deserved it whatever you know one person who didn't die and i'm like that person could have died we'll get to her in a second uh laura harrington plays Brett. <laughs> Brett. <laughs> uh, I remember her from uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and I saw her in that, and I'm like, that movie came out, uh, what? Like, I don't know. What's Eating Gilbert Grape came out 93. Over, over 10, 93? Okay. So she, I think she looks a lot younger in that, but but she kind of looks older in this. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even because that came out after this did. Yeah, and she was in Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai yeah. and holly if you want to mention that <laughs> we don't need to uh she's from ann arbor michigan though she's from the michigan state from uh, from my home state so yeah. yeah shout out to laura harrington she's great she's great yeah no i like brett a lot in this one but character she, <laughs> one character i do not in fact i don't like her at all when it comes to on-screen work i like her voice acting work 
But Yeardley Smith plays Connie. I can't stand her voice. I cannot stand her voice. I didn't like. I couldn't stand it in Legend of Billie Jean. She was the the one thing about Legend of Billie Jean I didn't like, and she's the number one thing I don't like about Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Yeardley. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm. At least, you know. I don't think I dislike her as much as you do. Um, but I understand why you do, and I don't love her, and I didn't love her in The Legend of Billie Jean, and I love that movie. Um, could have had less of her in that, could have had less of her in this, or had her get killed, uh, like you. But I don't, I don't, like, hate her as much as you do, but I get it, man. I totally get it. She just, her voice is grating to me, and it's nonstop, and she screams through the whole thing. And when she's not screaming, she's asking really stupid questions, and just, like, she's just an annoying character. And it's not her fault, I guess, but it is her fault with her voice. (laughs) And it is her fault (laughs) with her, like, her style. I'm not, I'm just, she, like, it doesn't do, it kind of annoys me. I'm like, I don't want to look at your face. I'll just, just go be Lisa Simpson for the rest of your life. Um, that's cool. It does kind of make you wonder, like, how she got so many roles. Well, you know, you look at the voice cast, at least, um, you know, her and then uh, the woman who plays Bart Simpson. The two of them, she was annoying in the Twilight Zone movie, the actor who plays Bart Simpson. I forget her name offhand. Oh, um, Nancy Cartwright? Yeah, she was in. she was in the TV segment, I think, when the kid – in the Twilight Zone, the movie where the kid is like, he makes the TV stuff yeah. come to life yeah. or whatever. She's like the sister or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And she's annoying in that. Yeah. She's look, like, their their faces look annoying to me. I don't know why. I'm like, I don't want to look at your face right now. And, and for an on screen actor, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's not a good thing. <laughs> it never is. Uh. I don't know. Her, her, like, Aziz Ansari does a. I'd rather listen to Aziz Ansari whine all the time <laughs> instead of her going. It's just so grating. Anyways. Enough about her. Uh, her husband, though, Kurt, played by John Short, he's great. Yes. He's super cool. I like that guy. In fact, I'm like, this guy's got balls, and he's funny as hell. Like, some of the lines he has in this are fantastic. Mm-hmm. What did he say? Almost like, what? it's not, not, not I didn't shit myself, but like. Uh, I, I wrote it down. I It's it's in there. I wrote it down, too. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. But, you know, he's been in everything from, like, Apollo 13 to, um you know, TV shows like the, uh, the West Wing and, and, and a lot of television shows, you know. He's also a guy that looks better when as he got older than when he was yeah. when he was younger. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. When he's younger, he kind of looks like a doof. Yeah. Yeah. Now he kind of looks yeah. cool with his beard and everything. Yep. Uh, playing Wanda Jude is uh, Ellen Meckleduff. Uh, and she is she, she was in Little Man Tate. My brother used to say, "Little man Tate like to masturbate." You know, which rhyme everything. <laughs> Eric, I <Okay>. say yes. <laughs> sure. Uh, you never and, talk uh, about Sean, by the way. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Moving on, right past it. <laughs> you ever see Little Man Tate? It's a nice little coming of age movie. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Jodie Foster directed it. I like okay. that movie. It's a good. Okay. It's a good coming of age movie. Um, J.C. Quinn plays Duncan. The guy gets hit by a car and then he's dead. Too bad. <laughs> Deke's dad, yeah. Yeah. He was in the Abyss. Yeah, I remember him in the Abyss. That's mm-hmm. why I brought him up. I'm like, some of these guys I don't need to bring up, but he's yeah. one that I, he was one of the um one of the oil crew oil rig guys, you know, that work yep. on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um Deke uh, that you mentioned, played by Holter Graham. 
and he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's working, t- uh, you know, up until today. Yeah, and so, like I said, he's from Baltimore, Maryland, which I was like, oh, cool, that's awesome. Uh, apparently, he uh, he also auditioned for Stand By Me, um, and he was like, he didn't, you know, he, he was not nerdy enough to get the Gordy role, and then he wasn't, like, sort of buff enough to get uh, what's-his-name's role, and so he was kind of like, eh, so it didn't really work out for him. But apparently, like, Sissy Spacek kind of discovered him, um, and, and he he applied for, or not applied, he auditioned for something that she was doing. Um, he didn't get it, but for years, she kept being like, oh, you need a kid? Go check out this kid. Like, she advocated for him for a while until he finally uh, landed this one. That's awesome. I Yeah, he's uh, he's got a really cool look. Mm-hmm. I could see why he would, you know, potentially be the River Phoenix character in Stand By Me, but uh, or or um, Will Wheaton's character. You know, I could see him doing that too if yep. he had dark hair. Yeah, uh, and but apparently he, he also um, uh, auditioned for Silver Bullet as well. Oh, that would be cool. But man, Corey Heyman's great in that. Um, he was in the Warriors video game. He played a couple of voices in the Warriors video game for Rockstar Games. He does a lot of voice acting for video games too. So that's. That's notable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Red Dead Redemption as well and whatnot. Yeah. But definitely the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Faison. And I'm wondering <laughs> yeah. if he's Donald Faison's father. Oh. I wonder. Interesting. Want to kind of look that up yeah. now? Yeah. Let's you, do that. You talk. I'll look that up. Okay. So Frankie Faison is just a legendary character actor. He's been in, you know, so many different things you recognize him the minute you see his face you're like oh i know that guy coming to america do the right thing um that, that's just a couple that he's been in but he's 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 been like he's a he's been in over 137 projects as an actor so you know i love this guy um i love this guy he's just been in so much stuff but he's and, not really. Is he related to Donald Faison? No, apparently he's not. No, and that's oh. like if you type in, you know, it could like Google auto fills that one in pretty quick. So I guess a lot of people look that up. But no, he's not. They're not related. Okay, well that's interesting, and it's a pretty unique last name. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and I also want to point out that uh, be, that Faison was also in uh, Manhunter the same year and The Money Pit the same year. So. Two other great movies. Manhunter is in my top 10 of all time. Just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like Leon Rippey, you know, when he popped up on screen, I was like, holy shit, it's the villain from Cuffs. <laughs> yes. That's what I was going to call out because I fucking love Cuffs. It's his I biggest seen role. forever, but I loved it. And uh, he'll he always be the villain from that in my head. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he was my, uh, like, that was my big surprising thing when he showed up as the villain in cuffs i'm like that guy he's a character <laughs> actor i've seen him in a bunch of things anyways yeah and then um marla maples who's you know related uh, used to be married to the former pos sorry uh po potus uh not pos i keep pos yeah president of uh president oh a former president he was married to one of our former presidents the, the orange one yes interesting i knew i recognized her name and i was like why do i recognize her name she she's had like a couple small i think she was a model and but she was she like plays second woman i nothing notable but is she the lady that leon rippy at the end takes the ring off of her finger no. that's no no she's not i, I didn't reckon i didn't see her in this um i didn't 
recognize her. She maybe was one of the restaurant patrons. I don't know. But she, mm. I think her other biggest mo- movie was Executive Decision, where she played one of the flight attendants with Halle Berry. Okay. Halle wonder- Berry was in fl- Executive De- Decision. That's crazy. I haven't seen Executive Decision probably since it first came out on, on VHS. And Marla, May- I wonder if when Deke is going through the town, if she's the lady that's in the window killed by her hair dryer or something makes me wonder too yeah makes me wonder okay interesting and we have one more surprise but we'll save it for when when he gets revealed in the movie we will we will um yeah i i think i was just really quickly gonna mention that apparently um i think uh marla maples was in righteous gemstones she played gay nancy three episodes is gay nancy Huh. I, don't know. I'm, I don't know. who. I haven't watched that show recently, so. Okay. Yeah, we watched it. Uh, we watched the first two seasons, and we're a few episodes behind on the newest season, but we did start it. I don't I don't remember. I don't know her offhand, so, yeah, I'll just keep an eye out for her. But, I see, even like, now and as a kid, I just was never into, like, celebrity stuff. I didn't follow things like that. So, like, you know, her married to, to Rump. Um, I, I didn't know any of that stuff, I, although it sounded familiar, you know, but I just as a kid, I wasn't into any of those things. It doesn't matter. It's more like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting factoid. She clearly has terrible taste in men. Uh, yes, she does. <laughs> that's a that's uh, a guarantee. That's a that's a slam dunk. No doubt. Uh, <laughs> and and taste in men that you'd love to see get hit by a car, but we're not hitting them. We're not going to. Well, I'm trying to tee up something about. Um, we're not, never mind. <laughs> it didn't work. It just sputtered out. It didn't um, work. It sputtered out. Of, it sputtered out like uh, these the trucks in Maximum Overdrive would have sputtered out if they ran out of gas. There you go. That's a perfect segue into the movie. So you want to start this off? You want to kick this off, baby? For those about to rock, fire! <laughs> we salute you. Let's let's. Let's cheese grate our asses like that motorcyclist does when he goes off the bridge. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> With maximum overdrive. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? Who was driving it? I don't know. Curtis! I just want to get the hell out of here. Please don't let this be in the dark. Help me. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus, come in and eat us. Maximum King. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. The movie opens with Dino De Laurentiis Pictures, a film by Stephen King. We see the Earth from outer space. Then text appears as a green cloud engulfs the Earth. On June 19, 1987, at 9.47 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 
the Earth passed into the extraordinarily diffused tail of Rhea M, a rogue comet. According to astronomical calculations, the planet will remain in the tail of the comet for the next 8 days, 5 hours, 29 minutes, and 23 seconds. As a kid, I always thought that was really cool. And I guess, I mean, what was going on with the zeitgeist at the time? Because we also have Night of the Comet as well, you know, around the same time. Yeah, as a kid, I loved it. And now I'm like reading it and I'm like, that's a lot to take in in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, because it's hard to track the days, uh, you know, how many days it's been. They kind of sum it up at the end of the movie. But yeah, no, it's really cool. I love I love setups like this these are cool intros like what is that thing you know when you Mm -hmm. see the 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 spaceship in the beginning of predator crash on the earth you know or like i I love that stuff i love when you're setting up this weird otherworldly thing gonna that's gonna mess up society especially if it's like something that's entirely earth consuming you know i think that's really wild right Fade into Wilmington, North Carolina, which is also pretty much where they shot the entire movie. Um, They built the entire Dixie Boy and everything. That's a completely built building uh, for them. But they also filmed this movie in July and August in the South. And they said it was humid as hell. That's obvi. Yeah. (laughs) Makes me not want to go to the South. No offense to anybody that lives down there. Well, I mean, all our friends in Florida, y'all know. Y'all know that... (laughs) How brutal it can be in the humidity and the mosquitoes and whatnot. Shit, dude. I remember I had to have moved my dad's, uh, you know, uh, house last August, and it was just pure humidity. I lost like ten pounds. My shoes and socks were soaking wet. My shoes and socks are soaking wet. <laughs> sue, sue everybody. Who, who you got? Sue you. Sue you. <laughs> Cut to an exterior shot of a bank. And the text ticker above the door goes from telling the time and current temperature to saying, fuck you. And I like how there's no music cue to sort of tune in on it. I wish that they didn't dolly in on it. I wish that they left the shot sort of static and that you almost didn't even notice it. Me too. But it's hilarious. It's a hilarious way to open the movie. Yes, exactly. We see Stephen King walk up to an ATM at the bank and try to use it. But the screen calls him an asshole. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. ACDC starts playing as we see cars drive over a bridge. The Maximum Overdrive title races onto the screen. Who made who? Who made you? My only complaint, because I love that logo, is it should have been bigger. Yeah, dude. Very tiny. The text, the, the text for the opening credits is very tiny. Yeah, it's it's not quite as bad or off-center like Split Second, still the worst title card ever in the history of podcasting after dark movies that we've discuss- discussed. But yep. that Maximum Overdrive title is so coolly made, and it looks great. I would have had it on the screen even longer. I would have made it bigger and longer. I would have made it bigger and longer, <laughs> yeah, too. hey oh, And uh, the ACDC logo is sick, too. Like, they show the actual logo of the band. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Yeah. No, Very. It's very, it's very cool. But it's like a thumb, it's a, it's a thumbnail, you know, it's tiny. Yeah. Yep. As the traffic is going across, we see two guys in the bridge control room playing cards. 
Suddenly, the machine comes to life, and the bridge starts riding up without the lights going red or the gates going down. So it's like a drawbridge type of thing, or, or whatever they're called. Yeah, it's one of those bridges that opens for boats to come through. Yeah. As the bridge rises up, cars on both sides start tumbling into each other, sending drivers through windows and a motorcyclist into the river below. Next, a truck falls in, and chaos ensues as the bridge raises to its full height. Get a lot of chaos and a lot of craziness here. Um, you know, I didn't call every bit of it out, but there's a, somebody flies through a window. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And, and just two things that stand out to me is the motorcyclist who slides down the, the bridge. Uh, the bridge acts like a cheese grater where it slides off his butt. So when he fa- flies off the bridge, you see pieces of his ass coming off. It's yeah. gross and hilarious. <laughs> and then it. a guy in a, like a white uh, douchey like tennis outfit slipping on watermelons is hilarious too. Yeah. No, it's, a lot it's of watermelons awesome. in this scene. A lot of watermelons. Because <laughs> apparently there's a watermelon truck, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Cut to a black 18-wheeler with a giant green goblin face on the front, driving down the highway. And, yeah, dude, I mean, that is 100% based on Marvel Comics' Spider-Man's villain, Green Goblin. It's so cool. Like, the minute you see that pop on, like, who made that? (laughs) Who made that? I want to get a truck like that. How come Matchbox or Hot Wheels hasn't made a truck with that on there. They made a Christine car. They made like a cinema movie cars line where they and, put like, and Christine is just a car. Like, it's you a, know, yeah, but they didn't do that for, uh, who made that? They should make that. Well, come on. So, I mean, is it because it doesn't really have a proper name? I mean, I'm going to call it the green goblin, the entire movie, but Toy maybe truck. It doesn't ha- like, you know, like Christine is, is Christine. And I think that same, I think they made the car as well, but that's also like the title of the movie. So it's, it's real strong. It's called like the car. And then of course the phantasm Cuda and whatnot, but maybe it's because there's no like proper way, like, you know, way of calling this. It, it never has a name to it. Even though the side of the truck says happy toys, that doesn't really work. You want something more sinister. That That's a toy line that people should get on that I ha- that I think would sell really well. C- uh, horror cinema cars. The Cuda. Yeah. The Cuda that you, you mentioned, the car car, and the, the truck truck from the toy toy <laughs> movie movie. But no, you... Do like the and then go deep into Total Recall, like the taxi cab mm-hmm. that he drives around in, and you the know, Johnny Cab. Yeah, I mean, I shit, I had the Blade Runner vehicles back in the day. Like, make the Mad Max car in a yes. Hot Wheels version. They never made that. Yeah, the all last of, them. of the V8s, baby. What the hell? Come on, you're sitting on gold right now. It makes you wonder though, with this, if it has something to do with the Marvel licenses or something. Now, apparently, I mean, I I read nothing and heard nothing about Marvel taking any kind of action. Like, against it, so That's I don't clearly. know. Yeah, it's clearly the Green Goblin. Clearly. I don't know! <laughs> okay, found my voice for the rest of the episode. Yep, there it is. We knew we'd get to something, right? Uh, so it pulls into a gas station slash diner, so a, tr- a truck stop, so called the Dixie Boy. Um, so this truck stop has... Uh, a separate building for showers, and this is all, of course, going to be important later. Um, and then, you know, the main building itself is kind of like a diner, you know, uh, slash arcade in the back. And then on the side, it looks like it has, like, a mechanic shop and stuff like that. So it's like a full-service truck stop. Yep. Two mechanics are sitting out front talking baseball. One's older, Duncan, played by J.C. Quinn, and one's fatter, <laughs> Joey. 
the older one gets up to take care of the Green Goblin. The driver, Handy, played by Frankie Faison, gets out, and they greet each other like they're old friends. Handy walks into the truck stop and up to the diner counter. There are a handful of other truckers in the place and a waitress, Wanda June, played by Ellen uh, McElduff, and Bill, played by Amelia Estevez, is working the grill. Wanda June fiddles with the radio and remarks that it's just that it was just working a minute ago. Handy asks her for some coffee when she's done. The waitress shoots him a glare. The owner of the truck stop, Hendershot, Pat Hingle, pops out of his office and tells Bill to come in there. Bill says he has eggs grilling, but Hendershot tells Wanda to leave the radio alone and mind the eggs. I, I want to point out, too, you, you mentioned the uh, the, the heavyset uh, guy. Heavier mechanic, yeah. Joey, yeah. He, and we talked about this on another uh, discussion the other day. I like seeing heavy set guys in like sympathetic roles who are not assholes, which was a kind of a stereotypical thing in the eighties and nineties. If you're like the heavy set guy, you were the bully or you were the idiot. And while he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, he's not like, he's not a bad character. He's not a bad person. Yeah. He's not just a straight up piece of shit or something. I'm surprised always pretty surprised that he makes it to the end of the movie and everything. And, and for the, for all the reasons you just said, because growing up in this time frame, movies would always show, yeah, the heavier guy is being the bully or the dumb redneck or whatever. And yes, like you say, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's not a bad person. It doesn't seem. No. Why, 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 why couldn't they let Caleb Emery live in summer of 84? Yes, exactly. Be- because, it was gut wrenching, and it, I mean, at this, we're still talking about that movie. That's oh. why. That's oh. why Caleb Emery couldn't live. Let's go watch that after this. That's a great movie, man. I, someone, I recommended it to someone. It was my dentist. They were mentioning something, and I, and I don't know why that came around, but I actually said, "Go check that one out," and uh, you know, good luck with all that. Right. Yeah. The, there's a guy on Instagram named that eighties dude. He's a very popular uh, Instagram eighties page and, and he's never seen summer of 84. I'm like, dude, you got to watch that man. It's right up your alley. Yeah, it really, it's a great movie. And go check out our interview with Caleb Emery. Go yeah, check out fantastic. our, he was, and go check out our full uh, breakdown. That's, that's like way back in like season late season one, maybe early season two, but it was a while ago. Wow. Yeah. Time flies, buddy. We're in season five. cut to an arcade room in the back of the truck stop there are multiple pinball and arcade machines and they're all going crazy there's only one person in the room watching the madness happen with amazement and that person happens to be a young moff gideon giancarlo esposito himself before do the right thing came out a couple years later i believe and school days might have come out around the same time uh i think so anyways yeah he's great short little scene but he's he's wasn't he in uh, trading places also in the in the jail oh you know what possibly i feel like i feel like he was sitting behind he was the one. Yeah, he was talking you, the Karate Man conversation. That's yes. I think that was him. I think you're right. Yeah, dude. Good. That's your memory, man. I've smoked mine away. <laughs> <laughs> it's still there. It's holding on. One of the pinball machine glass screens shatter, and, and Moff Gideon says, "Yo, Mama," which I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, the cigarette machine starts vomiting packs, while the change machine does the same with its quarters. Giancarlo gets on his knees and starts pocketing what he can. To fund, to fund the new empire, I guess, right? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> You're all caught up with Mandalorian, well, aren't you? I am to fund yeah. the uh, the uh, chicken his chicken empire too on Better Call Saul. I know, or Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, yeah, I know, and I know that's where sort of everyone sort of knows him from. But spoiler alert: I've never seen Breaking Bad. <sighs> wow. And I will say, because I've only seen season one of The Wire, if I'm going to watch anything that's older, I have to go watch The Wire because I'm from Baltimore and they won't let me back if I don't watch The Wire. That's hard to watch. That's hard I to know. watch. I know. Because I'm like, this is really outdated. Which The Wire or? Yeah, The Wire. Oh, okay. It what, feels really outdated. But When's the last know. time you watched it? I want to say five or six years ago I tried okay. getting back into it and I was like, no, this is not feeling it. I don't know. Okay. Jaffiel, buddy. Jaffiel. Jaffiel. But you've seen Breaking Bad, right? Oh, I've seen the entire series. I thought it was one of the best television series of all the times. I mean, I would like to watch it one But day, I'll put but... Fargo above that, so you should watch Fargo instead. I've seen season one and season two of Fargo. I've seen season one of Fargo like four times. I love that season. It just gets, it just gets equally as good every season. Season two was great, um, and I would like to – I always wanted to move forward, but just – it. TV just I don't have time to watch much TV unfortunately. No, we're too busy breaking down movies for podcasting after dark and two dollar late fee. Yeah, pretty much, guys. Pretty much. And and both at the same time coming very soon. Right. Yes, very soon. Outside very we see soon. <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Outside we see Duncan minding the hose while he fills Green Goblin with guzzoline. If this were Mad Max World. It should be noted that $10 got him about 16 gallons. Holy yep. shit. As Arnie would say, the good old days. <laughs> exactly. The pump stops, and Duncan checks it by looking into the nozzle. Don't ever do this, kids. It sprays Stupid. him in the eyes, and he falls to the ground screaming. Stupid fool! <laughs> yes! <laughs> that was great. I don't know if you can top that one, but that was perfect. I'll do dude. my best. <laughs> Cut to the heavier mechanic, Joey, putting a wet rag on Duncan's eyes while another mechanic, Steve, calls Hendershot in the truck stop to tell him there's been an accident. Back in Hendershot's office, he doesn't seem too concerned about Duncan. Flush his eyes and leave him alone. I got me some talking to do in here. I got to wipe everyone's ass around here? Shitty job, but I reckon someone's got to do it. Ain't that right, Bubba? It's the most. It's one of the most annoying things in the movie, because he calls people Bubba, but then his license plate is also Bubba. So is he also a Bubba, or yes. is the car a Bubba? And why Bubba? Like, why is that the word that he chose to like latch onto? I don't know, Bubba, because Bubba maybe because when I was a Bubba, I got diddled by my Bubba, and then because of my Bubba, I, it's permanently tattooed on my Bubba. <laughs> my Bubba got Bubbaed. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's wild, dude. It's it's fucking wild. Bill looks annoyed and says, "Let me get this straight. You want me to work for nine hours, but only clock in for eight? Bill says, "Screw that." Hendershot holds up Bill's time card and has a red star on it. He asks Bill if he knows what that means. Hendershot answers for him. On parole, boy. Either your ass belongs to me or it belongs to the state of North Carolina. He doesn't say Bubba there, though. Bill says Bill says Hendershot has one hell of a racket going on. The old man sends Bill back to the grill knowing he's won. Thank you, Bubba. Oh, God. Back to the grill again. The grill again. 
<laughs> Back to the crit. Nope, doesn't work. D- nope. Doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> You're like, that's why I didn't do it. Yep. I was doing <laughs> 90s like, hip hop there. You're like, I'll let you do it and fail. <laughs> yes. Crash and crash and burn. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> As Bill walks back to the grill that Wanda June has lost complete control of, he looks at all the time cards on the wall and over half of them have red stars. As Wanda tries to make eggs on the grill, we see an electric knife spin towards her. She doesn't notice because she's too distracted. And as Wanda reaches for a plate, the blade turns on and cuts her forearm deep. She screams, knocking the knife to the floor, and Bill rushes to her aid. Other patrons stand up from their tables and booths to see what's happening. The knife then slices her foot through the shoe. It stops and Bill tells someone to go get a rag. One of the truck drivers says, like a dick, Did that knife go rabbit on you, sweet thing? Wanda says, it turned on all by itself and bit me. I don't think I'd say bit me. I'd say sliced me, but okay. Right. The other truck driver says it was probably a short circuit, but then the knife turns on and Wanda screams. Bill grabs a hammer and smashes it to pieces. Um, so the the special effects guy in this movie, obviously famously, I should say, a lot of people know this, there was a lot of gore cut from this film by the MPAA because um, this is now we're going into the second, the latter half of 1980s. We all know the the Friday 13th films and everything in the in the late 70s, early 80s. You know, all was it even late 70s? Anyways, the earlier ones all had better gore because the MPAA hadn't you know really gone to things hard. Right now they are, and this movie's gonna you know it's gonna get chopped up. But I think. And I'm going to ask if you agree, but I kind of feel like you do. I like the amount of gore that we have on screen. I like what we're left with. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't need to get too graphic with this one. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. And the special effects guy uh, who who worked on this film, he worked with Tom Savini on Invasion USA. So he came right off of Invasion USA and came on this, came on this, and came on this show. I said it came twice. On said, <laughs> came on you! Um, but yeah, and, and which actually made me take notice. I was like, I didn't realize Tom Savini worked on Invasion USA. Neither did I, but it makes total sense. Especially that cock shot scene. <laughs> yeah, dude. Still one of my favorite scenes oh, in like any movie ever. Billy Drago. Gets his balls blown off. And that lady gets tossed out the window after she gets that, after she gets the the cocaine thing shoved. Oh, oh my God. Slams her head on the, what's, what's the guy's name? The bad guy's name where he's like, oh, shit. What is Chuck Norris? Yeah. Fuck. Oh, now everyone's going to be screaming at us. We got to fucking find it. I know. Hold on. It's Richard Lynch. No, no, no. Rostov. Rostov. Oh, 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 you're forgetting what his name was. Yeah. yeah. Rostov. Yeah. yeah. That movie was great. And that's, again, that's another one that was, uh, I think, season one. You brought that one to the table. The Invasion USA is awesome. Hell yeah, dude. In the arcade, Moff Gideon is about to walk out with his pockets full of quarters and cigarettes when he looks over at an arcade machine and the screen hypnotizes him. He walks up to the machine, touches it, and it starts electrocuting him. In the diner, everyone hears the noises coming from the arcade, and, it, and Hendershot says, Now what? We see Giancarlo fly back and land on the ground dead. Bill walks up to the arcade and slowly walks in. All the machines are sparking and going crazy. Bill and a couple patrons look over and see Moff Gideon dead. 
another thing I like about this movie is how quick everything starts. Yeah. Yeah, I love it too. Just like, let's go. Let's go. Right into it. But if that's cocaine filled, then give me more. Let's not spend 30 minutes trying to get to the whole you know, point of everything. Let's just go into it. We can explain along the way. Yeah, and this movie is a cool 98 minutes. I mean, it's perfect for this kind of movie. Yeah, I agree. Cut to a baseball field, and a Little League baseball game is being played. As the game ends and all the kids cheer, one of the coaches says he's going to buy everyone sodas. We see him walk up to the machine and put his money in. But when he presses the button, nothing comes out. The coach starts hitting and kicking the machine while the kids on the team watch. Just then, a can shoots out of the machine and, the, and hits the coach right in the balls. <laughs> he drops to his knees as another one hits him in the chest. Then finally, one hits him in the forehead. And it's going to kill him, but I wrote it killing him, but it didn't kill. It doesn't kill him right away. This was another effect that got dropped. He was supposed to have a giant welt form on his forehead, like the bladder, the blood bladder was supposed to get huge and just basically start shooting blood out and everything. Oh. And it looked cool, and they had shots of it in the documentary. Again, this Vestron Blu-ray has a lot of extra features. Cool. Um, but I, again, like how you don't see that, and you only sort of see the aftermath of it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I love... This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually, this whole sequence. It reminds me uh, years later when the remake of The Crazies came out, which I think is like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, superior, possibly superior to the original. Uh, well, definitely superior to the original. Dawn of the Dead, we talked about that before, our love of that one. But um, the the baseball scene in The Crazies when <laughs> guy just goes off, starts shooting people on the... I think that came out around the same time there was an actual shooting where there was like a Republican shot uh, on, at a baseball game. Oh, like shit. A, yeah, bad timing. But anyways, um, it reminded me years later. I'm like, oh, it's like the scene in Maximum Overdrive. It's great. Asshole coach probably, you know, getting so getting sodas for the kids. But, you know, it, it's it's shocking. Yeah. And what follows what's follows what follows that scene is even more shocking. And I'm with you, dude. Um, this has always been my favorite scene. This like segment, I guess, you know, in, in the movie. And you know I'm with you with the crazies. I've seen the original. I actually bought the Anchor Bay clamshell. Same. And I was like, yeah, I was excited to watch it. And I like the cover with the gas masks and stuff. Yeah. And the, but I was like, eh, it was okay. It was fine. It was one of those movies that was like, it was fine. Uh, but I thought that the, the Timothy Oliphant remake, I mean, he's, he's always great. But I really enjoyed that one. That movie's awesome. If you guys have never seen it, go watch it after you watch Maximum Overdrive again. And we're going to bring up Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead again at the end of this movie. Because there's some parallels oh. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and by the way, the uh, the Coke cans were, were made out of foam, and the kids would have fun uh, during the scene getting hit by it. They actually, they're all having a good time getting hit by the Coke cans and everything. That's awesome. One kid says, what the hell? And the machine starts shooting cans at them as they scream and run away. Deke, Holter Graham, puts on his catcher's mask for protection, and Army crawls up to the coach to check on him. I like that, by the way. I'd like to try to actually see if he was okay. Yeah, he's a cool kid. The coach has a giant bloody dent in his forehead, and he's twitching on the ground. Like, the twitching, to me, and, like, looking and twitching is scarier and more traumatic than, like, having his head, like, explode or something. Yep. He's got a bloody dent in his forehead. 
well, the welts start coming and the welts start coming. <laughs> Coke cans are flying. And, you know. This is a very musical. It's going to be a very musical episode. I can yeah, see it. I promise you guys, I will not sing Sublime in this one, though. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Deke runs away, dodging soda cans and jumping over dead kids on the ground. <laughs> Dead kids. That's another one we broke down. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Deke watches as one of his friends crashes his dirt bike and then gets run over by a steamroller. It starts chasing him too, so Deke gets on his bike and pedals fast. So that steamroller scene, um, it, I, I always forget that you can for a second see the the kid from the other angle. I mean, first off, I always think it's scary enough that you see it from the steamroller's point of view and the kid yeah. kind of puts his arms up to sort of protect himself. Same. And then you, you see it from the other side and apparently they'd shot this twice, once with a blood gusher and the head kind of erupts, but the other one without blood, so it's a it's a fake body. Uh he said he actually was it was used in Dune or something, uh you know, David Lynch's Dune and he got it because that's that was a deal deal Dina De Laurentiis picture as well. Oh yeah, okay. And so he said the head the fake head is filmed filled with like this that foam that you see like cushions on your couch you know that kind of that tan yeah. foam and he said when it got run over the foam exploded out of the top of the head he goes it looked so disgusting it looked like brains and it wasn't even the intent they didn't even wow. try he wasn't trying to do that because it looked worse than the blood because it just looked like his kid the kid's brains exploded out of the top of his head yikes yeah I mean, I, I wouldn't have needed that. Like, it was this, like, this death right here was the blob, the kid in the blob's death. It, this one did shake me up a little bit at the time when I was, because what a horrible way to die. Like, I oh hoped if, if I was a kid, I hope, and, and same as the blob. Like, these are two ways that you're just thinking, like, you feel every bit of it because the steamroller rolls up. So you feel the entire thing. It's like, damn, that is gruesome. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Get rolled over by, get crushed by a steamroller. <laughs> yeah, man, don't, don't crash your bike, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Cut to a car driving down the same North Carolina highway we saw earlier. Inside, a sleazy traveling salesman is driving, and a young woman is in the passenger seat, and that's Brett, played by Laura Han Harrington. Now, we didn't call him out before because he's kind of a big bad guy name. Uh, so who plays the sleazy traveling salesman? Yeah, Christopher Murney. Uh, I think, first of all, I hate his character in this mm. as well. He's another character I absolutely hate. Yes. Uh, but this dude was in everything from Barton Fink to uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn. But I think most people will recognize him from two roles, The Secret of My Success, where I think he was like Michael J. Fox's boss when he was in the mail room. Okay. And also in, of course, The Last Dragon as Eddie Arcadian. Yeah, see, I've never seen uh, The Last Dragon, which I need to because we, we love – briscoe county jr and everything you sure um, do i mean yeah. we, we, we might get to that down the road on two dollar late fee uh okay for martial art madness next year but uh yeah i mean he's he's pretty he's been in everything from like the taking of pelham 123 in 1974 and Great slap movie. shot as well so yeah slap Christopher shot. Murney. yeah slap S shot baby slap shot's the one with the, uh, the triplets right 
Yeah, the 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 Hansen brothers. Yes, I I was I was thinking I was like I'm not confusing that with Goon, am I? Which I've seen Goon and I've seen Slapshot. Both of them are great. I probably liked uh, Slapshot a little bit more, but then I'd say I liked Goon more than I thought I was going to. And I need to see Youngblood with Rob Lowe, uh, Keanu Reeves, and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I I want to see uh, Last Dragon first. Yes, you knew you need to see that first. But yeah, I'm with you, dude. He is probably my least favorite character in the entire movie. And it's, it's all by design. You know, yeah. like Hendershot's annoying by design. He's annoying and, and horrible by design. Yardley Smith, I don't think it's by design. It's just Yardley Smith. She's terrible. Yes, she is. Screaming so, true! <laughs> there it is. Another winner. Yeah. <laughs> He asks, and by the way, real quick, he's never referred to by name in no, this he's movie. No, he's salesperson, in, but in he, at least what I saw. Yeah, but he has a name in the in the credits, though. Or in, you know, on IMDb, the character has a name, and it's... Yeah. Hassle number two! <laughs> but he, yeah, so he has a name, though. It's Camp Loman. I'm like, where did he, where does that even pop up in the entire movie? Um, the Camp Town Loman... Came down, bring it down, bring it down. So he, you're going to find out real quick he's a sleaze bag. Yeah. He asks how far up the road she's going while rubbing her leg like a creep. Brett removes it and says, depends on how long you can keep your hands to yourself. He laughs and says, just drifting, huh? She fiddles with the radio and tells him to shush when she hears something. Reports of strange occurrences are pouring in all over the wire services. We'll have more information soon, but until then, we repeat. If you are on or near a major highway, get away at once. The salesman takes a swig from his flask, and Brett says, shit, and hits the radio as the broadcast goes back to static. He puts his hand on her leg and tells her to calm down. Brett tells him to pull into the Dixie Boy truck stop, and if he doesn't stop rubbing her leg, he'll be wiping his ass with a hook the next time he takes a dump. He says he never heard no talk like that when he was a boy. She takes a wheel and jerks it, sending the car into the truck stop parking lot. The salesman asks if she's lost her mind, and Brett says, Did you hear anything that man said? She gets out of the car and runs through the parking lot, but he chases after her. Everyone comes out of the truck stop to see what the yelling is about. As everyone is distracted, we see the Green Goblin 18-wheeler start up, except Handy isn't in the cab. As the salesman vomits his righteous tirade at Brett about how her generation is the downfall of society, she looks past him to see the Green Goblin revving its engines. It takes off right at them, and she grabs the salesman's tie and pulls them both out of the way. The Green Goblin rolls to a stop at the end of the parking lot. I wouldn't have pulled his tie. (laughs) I know, but that informs us about her character. Brett's got character. We don't, because we would have let him die. Yep. <laughs> well, well, probably a pedophile piece of shit. Oh, no doubt. No doubt at all. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. 
We're available everywhere podcasts are found. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) And now, back to the show. Inside the truck stop, everyone is talking about what just happened. Wanda is still waiting, even with a sliced arm. No one can figure out who drove the truck. Plus, Handy still has the keys. Cut to another car driving down the same freeway. This time, it's a young married couple. The husband is Kurt, John Short. And the bride is Zach's least favorite human being, Yardley Smith, a.k.a. Connie. I need everything like this. So grating on your ears. And is that her normal voice, too? Like I think it is. Wow. And she just looks like, I don't, I'm not a fan of her. I mean, I'm with you, buddy. I'm not a fan of your you. face. You're not a fan of my face? No. I don't. Here's the deal. I don't like your face. I don't like I anything just, about it. <laughs> it's, what is it? Just tell me. Be honest with me. It's, it's your face. It's everything my, about my your face? face? Yeah, everything about it. Wait, that's no, more. My face? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean my face? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Kurt says they need to stop for gas. Connie says that's good because she has to use the ladies. Not the ladies' room. She has to use the ladies. He jokes and asks if he can watch. I thought that was funny. And she kind of like, yeah, he's, ah, funny. he's like, ah, you know. I thought it was funny. He was being serious. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> As they drive by a junkyard, we see three junkers with their headlights going on and off. And here's the thing. Like, this movie could have easily been, I think, like two hours. And you could have had like a very independence day style like 30 minutes build up and and i love those build-ups because i would love seeing little things like this like those cars headlights going on and off but i like the fact that this movie's economical it's really quick and that was a word i used a lot in the dr mordred review um but this movie's very quick but it still finds time to add these little moments of freakiness in and i love that about it yeah me too they pull into a gas station and we see a sign for the dixie boy truck stop three miles away Before they even stop, the newlyweds see a dead body. Connie screams and Kurt gets out of the car to investigate. The body has a massive head wound. (laughs) Massive head wound, Harry. Remember that Saturday Night Live bit? That was terrible. Yeah, I love that bit. (laughs) I enjoyed it too, especially when the dog would eat the the massive head wound. But what a terrible bit. I mean, it was a really bad bit, but I loved it. Well, all those things. Toontz's was terrible, too. Toontz's like the driving cat. Yeah, dude. Fucking Toontz's, man. Talk about cocaine-fueled. And that was all like, right, like the Michael Myers era and, and Adam Sandler and stuff, right? Yeah. Those tune sits and, and Massive Head Wound Harry and things like that. A caveman or, lawyer. Ca- I'm yeah. a caveman. <laughs> I'm just a caveman. I'm just a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> Unfrozen caveman lawyer, dude. Oh, dude, that was those were all my SNLs, man. That was my era of SNL. Phil Hartman. All right. Now, the only rips. I guarantee you the only thing people the first the only thing people can think of now with SNL is the guy who's been on there for 40 some odd seasons playing the guy from family feud. <laughs> yeah. That's it. 
<laughs> I know. I know. Seriously. That show's dead. Kurt follows the trail of blood to the gas station. He looks up at the blood-splattered clock as the hands go in reverse. He says, my God. I was like, I don't think that's warrants of my God. You'll see stuff later, but I don't think that the hands go in reverse. My right. God. The world's gone topsy-turvy. Look at the clock's going backwards. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just then, a huge tow truck starts up on its own and drives at Kurt full speed. You can see blood on its front fender. Kurt dives out of its way as the truck hits the gas station. Connie asks if he's dead. Are you dead? <laughs> Are you dead? Shut, that was, shut that up. was actually really shut good. Up. <laughs> Thanks. I would have yelled out, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up, bitch. Let me die. <laughs> why, why did I get married to her? Why? Why? <laughs> Kurt gets up and sees no one is at the driver's seat of the truck. He walks back to Connie and hugs her. All of a sudden, the truck starts back up again, and Connie screams and gets in the driver's seat of the car. She tells Kurt to get in, and they take off with Connie screaming. Oh, I know. know. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, I know Zach hates this moment. I know it. Back at the Dixie Boy, we see another 18-wheeler pulling into the parking lot. In the arcade, Hendershot and Joey, the heavier mechanic, are surveying the damage. The owner asks if Joey put the body downstairs like he told him to. Joey says yes and asks what happened. Fuck if I know, Bubba. Fuck if I know. Outside, Bill's looking at the Green Goblin 18-wheeler. He goes into the cab to take a peek, but doesn't find anything but a jack-in-the-box. He walks around to the back of the truck to look under it, and we see the ignition switch push on. Just then, Brett taps Bill on the shoulder, scaring him. Vroom, vroom, she says. We see the Green Goblin's side mirror turn, and shift to look at them talking in the parking lot. Brett tells Bill that he's cute. And I like how he kind of stammers a bit. He's like, yeah, I am. And I like how she says, not that cute. <laughs> but I do like their relationship, and I think they have a lot of chemistry together. Yeah, she's kind of a, I mean, back in the day, there there would be a word for a woman like that. But she's very, very forward. Yes, yes, she is. Yeah. And. I could almost see her as the lead hero in this, if, if you know, different kind of movie, but the late, the current, you know, her, who's playing Brett and everything and, and just how strong she is as a character. I would almost defer to her over Bill in this movie. Sure. Yeah. She knows what she likes and she, she likes what she sees. That's right. I like you. I like you. Give me your goo. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, bravo. That's the best one so far. All right. (laughs) She looks at the highway and remarks that it's too quiet for 1030 in the morning. As Bill and Brett officially introduce each other, we see the headlights of one of the other trucks in the parking lot turn on. Cut to Deke riding his bike through a suburban neighborhood. As he rides past sprinklers in the various front yards, they start spraying water. When he stops his bike and turns around, they turn off. Deke keeps riding the bike through the neighborhood, and now we see a person dead in the backyard with a chainsaw on his neck. We also hear a radio that reports are coming in from all over the world. Machines are operating by themselves and going on a homicidal rage. Now Deke starts seeing all of the dead bodies in the, in the neighborhood. A crashed pizza delivery guy, a lady in the bushes, a dead dog with an electric car in its mouth, even a lady in her bra hanging out a window with the hairdryer around her neck. And we maybe that's Marla Maples? Sure. Hey, Marla, you want to play a half-naked lady with a hairdryer around your neck? 
Sure. It's just there's no other waitresses aside from Wanda June. So I just I have no clue, you know, unless I, unless yeah. she was in one of the cars, you know, in the opening scene with all the the chaos. It could have been. She could have been in that on the bridge. You yeah. Know? But um but I like what I like about this scene is the music that's used in this scene because it's it's just the guitar and it's no vocals, which is cool. And, yeah. uh, and it's, it, it's just like, it's kind of got a ominous, dark vibe to it as he's riding down the road. So let's talk about the obvious, you know, matzo ball on the table. The trucks come to life. The, the, the appliances come to life. How, how, you know, how does the cord or even wrap itself around her neck? Okay. Even as a kid, I understood all the inconsistencies, but and, 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 you know, like, and if you dwell on them, yes, you know, there are massive inconsistencies as what is sentient and what isn't. But you bring up a good point how the music was awesome and ominous because it didn't have, you know, the vocals and stuff. But I think what the point I want to make to tack onto that is one thing I think Stephen King does really well in this movie is create an atmosphere, create a vibe. Yeah. This movie's a vibe. And when movies are like that, I tend to allow things to slide because I would I'll take vibe over accuracy. Yeah. No, I agree. I agreed. There you could rip this thing apart. You know, it's got holes like Swiss cheese, but uh but who cares? It's fun. It's fun. It, it, you know, the flip side of a movie like Cyborg that is not fun. Like it's it's there's so many holes in it. It makes you go, huh? Like in the back, the acting is bad and just the music cues are off and like everything about that movie is this one has a bunch of plot holes, but the acting's really good. albeit annoying. And with certain actors, music's great shot really nicely. Uh, so it's got a lot of, yep. Atmosphere. So there you go. Yeah, dude. D keeps riding. Oh, and then real quick, another thing, because this was a, you know, full neighborhood that they were, you know, working in. But if you'll notice, but I don't know why I said it like that. But if you notice, notice, (laughs) notice, but if you notice a lot of the bodies are like in people's backyards and stuff, it's because they didn't want to turn this neighborhood into like a murder show, essentially, you know, and I think they did a great job. And then they got no complaints. Like no one had a problem with them filming on the street at all. I love chaotic suburbs. Yeah. A la Dawn of the Dead, that yes. opening scene where it's all the explosions and everything. Yeah, because suburbs are supposed to be cozy and comfortable, and it's the juxtaposition of the horror. I love it, too. I think Zack Snyder is a fan of Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, I could see that. Deke keeps riding until he gets to an intersection and hears an ice cream truck coming down the street. The front of it is splattered with blood and hair, which is a great touch. He hides in some bushes as it goes by. He walks back to his bike and gets and gets on when all of a sudden a bloody lawnmower comes to life and chases him down the street. And that bloody lawnmower is what causes the cinematographer to lose his eyeball. Yikes. <laughs> I came into America to do this. <laughs> My eye! Jesus! Oh, uh, get, 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 get him some coke. <laughs> That splinter called you an asshole. (laughs) Honey? Back at the Dixie Boy, the traveling salesman is trying to sell Wanda and another customer a Bible. Outside, Joe, the heavier mechanic, Joey, 
is trying to stop Duncan, who's now blind from the diesel in his eyes, from going to find his son, Deke. Duncan won't stop, and Bill runs out to talk some sense into him. Bill holds up his fingers in front of Duncan's face and asks how many he can see. Eight? Twelve? Duncan says his vision is clearing up, but he's got to find his boy. Hendershot tells Duncan if he leaves without punching out, you ain't never going to have to punch out again, bubba. Duncan says good and calls Hendershot a fat fuck. Bill stops the owner from punching out the mechanic. Hendershot says, or what? Bill says, or I'll knock your teeth in, bubba. Just then, one of the trucks starts up with no one in it and runs Duncan over. Blood is splattered all over the front grill. Everyone screams and runs back inside as the truck keeps driving and rams into the salesman's car. He gets up and runs outside yelling. He pushes Wanda aside and says, Out of the way, bitch! He's such a piece of shit. Yeah. As the truck drives around the parking lot, the screaming salesman yells yells at it as if someone is driving it drunk. We see the Green Goblin truck come to life and starts reversing towards the salesman. Bill goes running out to to save the asshole, but he pushes Bill away when he sees the truck and goes running towards the edge of the parking lot. Green Goblin hits the salesman, knocking him out of his shoes and rolling him down into a drainage ditch. We assume he's dead. The truck then drives back to where it originally was, and so does the truck that killed Duncan. I always liked that it knocked him out of his shoes. Yeah, me too. Too bad he's not dead. Yeah. Inside the truck stop, Hendershot is trying to raise someone on a CB radio. Bill and the rest come walking into the office. He says no one was driving the trucks, but Hendershot doesn't believe him. Brett asks what they're going to do now. Bill doesn't know. Outside in the parking lot, Handy and another mechanic quickly wrap Duncan's body in a blanket. Inside, Bill talks to Brett through the bathroom door as she changes. She says, that salesman had his hands all over me, and he's dead now. I don't want the smell of him on me. Handy and the mechanic carry Duncan's body inside the truck stop and put it in the back room. Actually, it's not the back room. I think they put it in the um, the gun locker place area. Or yeah. Whatever. Outside, all the trucks come to life and start revving their engine. They honk their horns and begin circling the truck stop. There are about 20 different trucks of various sizes. Really quick, uh, the, the scene where Brett changes her clothes, apparently that was like an added-on scene. Uh, I don't know. if I think it was the, the producers wanted her to be a little more sexy, so they put her in like a more revealing outfit to show off her legs, which is lame, but you know, it is what it is. So that, that whole scene was just created that like throwaway line was get her in a more uh, revealing outfit. Yeah. I mean, it didn't seem like we really learned anything from that scene, like character wise or anything. It does feel tacked on now that you say it. Yeah. Her whole delivery too is weak on that. I, he's, his sense on me. I don't want him on me. Yeah. Well, still better probably than like, she's probably like, fuck this. Yeah. Cut back to the newlyweds, Kurt and Connie, driving down the highway. Oh, boy. No one is going the direction they are going, but on the other side of the road is a wall of 18-wheelers going by. Connie asks where they are going, and Kurt says he doesn't know. He tells her to try the radio, but it's just static. Connie screams as a truck shoots out in front and almost hits them. Kurt says he just loaded his... (laughs) Kurt says he just loaded his pants. That's what it is. (laughs) That line is gold. I just loaded my pants. That's great. 
It's the same scream, by the way, that she has in Legend of Billie Jean when they shoot out the rear the rear window of the car. Yes. It's that same annoying, shrill scream. And yes. That, I mean, he, like, Curtis looks like he wants to be like, can you just shut the fuck up? I'm just trying to drive here. What's it going to be in 20 years, buddy, when you've been married to her for that long, you know? God. And he's like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? You can see their future. If if they survive this and everything, you can see what their future is. And I don't think it's good. She's giving birth. Oh, what did you do to me? You put that baby inside me. It's like, and it's like, she's obviously, you know, older than 21. But in every movie, she always acts like she's 12. And like, I have a real, I hate people who talk like that, like, like women who talk like super talk young voice. like that. It's just, it's so weird to me. It's not just the voice and everything. It's just like some of the mannerisms she has. She just acts like she's like 12. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not Sorry. sexy, Jack. It's not sexy, Jack. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> you don't find me attractive? No. No, I find my loaded pants more attractive. <laughs> uh, the huge truck starts chasing them down the highway. It pulls up next to them and tries to run them off the road. Connie yells, Why is this happening? <laughs> Kurt makes the truck crash when he pulls off the highway and does some fancy maneuvering on the side road. They pull over next to a sign for the Dixie Boy, and Connie screams, What is going on? And Kurt yells back, He doesn't know. He says they can call the police from the truck stop on the billboard. And I like how he kind of loses his cool with her right there, but that's going to be the only time he does, though. Yeah. Yep. He'd rather dig around in a sewer than have to be around his wife. Yes. But he's, like, finger-banging her in a um, in yes. the stall at one point. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, he's totally finger-banging yeah, her. I, I know. <laughs> I know. We'll get to that scene. Sorry. <laughs> nah, we'll get to that scene. Yeah, I know which exactly. And even as a kid, I knew what was happening, you know? I mean... Call a spade a spade. More so than in uh, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. I didn't quite understand what porking was and all this kind of stuff. I didn't understand what was happening at that table. Remember remember when Rusty's like, like oh, my God, he's porking her. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I, yeah. That I didn't understand what was happening with that. God, one. that one's so – that series is so raunchy. I know. I, know. I love it. <laughs> at the Dixie Boyd, the trucks are still circling the parking lot. We see Kurt and Connie sitting in their car watching the siege. When we get to the truck stop, everything... It's her voice. When we get to the truck stop, everything will be all right. Oh, yes. Connie says mockingly, then laughs. I was like, bitch, what? I know. Okay, then you drive. Yeah. Kurt puts the car in drive and says, you see that gap? Next time it comes around, I'm going to shoot through it. That gaping hole. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna gape it. <laughs> then I'm going to gape you. Oh, I can't wait for you to do that. <laughs> I like being gaped. <laughs> Connie protests, but Kurt asks, what does she think will happen if they stay outside? Connie says she's scared, and Kurt says he is too. Inside the truck stop, Wanda sees the car and tells everyone to come over and look at these fools. Everyone walks over to the windows to see, but Bert and Brett go outside. Bert and Brett. God, Bill and Brett. And by the way, too many B names in this movie, because later on there's going to be a Brad. Bert, yes. Brett, Brad, Bill, Bert, Brett. I Bubba. Mean, Jesus. God. Bubba. Bubba. Stephen King. This You wrote this. Like, we, we didn't call it the fact that, but it was it's kind of obvious. Yes, he directed it. And yes, it's based on his novella, short story. But he wrote this movie, too. So all these B names are him. And Bubba yeah. is all him, too. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he he also has a very distinctive style of writing where it's just like take it or leave it. You know, yeah. sometimes this stuff doesn't work for people, and I get that too. A lot of times it's his endings too. He doesn't know how to stick those. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see Ass Catcher? I mean, Dreamcatcher. God, that <laughs> yeah. movie's a piece of shit. I hate that movie. That's that one of the worst. Terrible. That so okay. That's another one. That's his the worst Stephen King movie of all time. Yes. Then there's Tommy Knockers. Or Langoliers, Langoliers. Langoliers. Tommy Knockers was the other guy. What's his nuts? Um, Dean Koontz, wasn't it? Wasn't that Tommy? No. I thought uh, Tommy that's the, Knockers. Wasn't that the Watcher? What the fuck? Was that the Watchers in the Woods or something? Wasn't that Dean Koontz? That's Dean Koontz, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Watchers, I think. Yeah, Tommy Knockers, I think, was Stephen King. Was that a that's TV? The one was it a made Jimmy for Smith TV was Made movie? for TV. Jimmy Smith was in it. Yeah, because after The Stand came out, like next thing you know, the It, then Stand, they're like, oh, we got to make every Stephen King movie into a TV movie. And I got excited for all of them as a kid, Me even too. the Langoliers, but I never, I always I always start, liked the first couple of episodes. I always, it always just went down by the it end. It always went down. Always. It started out strong. I thought Thinner started out pretty good, and then that movie wasn't so great. Did you see the Stand remake that came out, like, I don't know, five, seven years ago? Or Did I? No, I didn't. I, I didn't, but I heard about it. I didn't see Dark Tower either. I heard that was not very good. No, and that's that's I've read most of those books, and, uh, and I don't mind Idris Elba as, as Roland, but the fact that they condensed, like, four books into one 90-minute movie, I was like, uh, what? Yeah. No. Late. Late. <laughs> Will you read those books to me again? Sorry. <laughs> Kurt says to Connie, hang on tight, and punches it for the gap. He almost makes it when a truck hits the car's trunk and sends it flying through the air and landing upside down. Brett and Bill run to help. Kirk gets up, Kirk gets up and opens the door while Bill cuts the seatbelt for Connie. They get Connie to her feet as she cusses up a storm, and they all run back into the truck stop while an 18-wheeler is right on their asses. Before they get inside, we see Joe and Hendershot standing right by the door. Hendershot has a bazooka and says, All right, Bubba, stick this one in your cheek, and fires the bazooka, blowing up the truck. Joey reloads the bazooka, and Hendershot blows up another 18-wheeler. Now I'm set, Bubba. Hoo-ah! Connie, Kurt, Brett, and Bill get to their feet and run inside the truck stop. Bill asks Hendershot where he got the bazooka, and Joe almost says that it's from a bunch of stuff that they have, but Hendershot tells him to shut up. They all go inside the truck stop as more trucks appear and fill in the gap. Great uh, car crash. Yeah. They should have been dead. Yes. I, I would have been okay with that. Yes. If Curtis could live and, you know, sorry. I mean, you know, if Curtis had to die for Connie to die, I would be okay with that. Yep, me too. <laughs> but then we would get no finger banging scenes. So. Yep. Ah, do it again. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> flick my bean. Flick my bean. <laughs> Inside the mechanic shop, Red is looking at Duncan's pictures of Deke. Bill walks in and she asks how the newlyweds are doing. He says, "Heart rates are slowing down a little bit, I think." Bill looks at her long straight razor and asks, Mother's helper? Brett says, A girl hitching her way down to Florida needs some protection. She slides it into her boot. Bill asks if that's what she's doing. Brett says, That's what I was doing before every machine in the world went into 
Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, the they said the name, the name. I would have loved if she said that and went, who made who? <laughs> or just looked right at the screen, you know? Yeah. Maximum Overdrive. Uh, <laughs> not going to lie, I do love it when they say the name in the in the movie, you know? It was so forced, but it was yeah. funny. Yeah, total, completely forced. Like, even you could even the, the character was like, why am I saying this? Yeah. Not the actor, but even the character was like. Exactly. <laughs> She says she's scared and starts crying. Bill walks over to her and says, If I put my arm around you, would you stick me with that thing? Motioning to the blade in her boot. Brett laughs and says, You don't stick a person with a straight razor. It's more like... She makes like a slashing motion. And she's like, And I wouldn't. And Bill puts his arm around her and they hug. I like how they don't kiss right here. I like how they hug and I thought this was sweet. Yeah. No, it's... Their relationship's cool. Yeah. And I I think she's the the big piece of that. Yes, yes. I actually really like what. What's the actress's name again? Laura Harrington. Yeah, I think she's really good in this. Yeah, no, I agree. She's a, she's a, she's a overall, she's a really good actor. Cut to Deke looking at a burned up tow truck on the side of the road and saying, "Holy cow!" Oh, is that the that's the tow truck that that uh, Connie and Kurt caused to crash? I didn't put that together. Yes. Okay. It shows that he's on his way, basically. Right. All of a sudden, we see a POV shot from inside a small airplane, and no one is at the controls. As it's flying, Flight of the Valkyries is playing. Deke looks up and sees the airplane flying right towards him. He dives into some tall grass for cover, and it flies by. He gets back on his bike and starts pedaling down the highway. Now, it's weird because it makes it seem like the Flight of the Valkyries is actually coming from the airplane because... When Deke looks up, it's like it's a plane at a distance. Like it seems like it's a, uh, further away. Yeah, yeah. And that is Flight been... of, that was Flight of the Valkyries, wasn't yeah. it? Flight, yes. of Valkyries, Flight, Flight of the Valkyries, Flight of the Valkyries, Flight of the Valkyries. Is I would that... have liked it if. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, w- I would have liked it if uh, the plane turned out to be a model plane. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh shit!" But then it this goes after him. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, I know what you mean. But, like, like if it's a little plane or something, just like it's just like you think it's big, and all of a sudden, you know, yep. and then he hits it with a baseball bat or something. In Apocalypse Now, it's Fly the Valkyries that's playing on the stereos when they're flying the helicopters, isn't yes. it? Yeah, yes. Okay. Fly the Valkyries. That's the wrestler, um, uh, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, in the WWE. In in the WWE, that was his theme. Fly to the Valkyries. Is that's public domain right that that song i think so at this point yeah because it's like mozart or whatever it is right yeah 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 mozart mozart <laughs> mozart mozart <laughs> woof 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 <laughs> big Eric, woof. <laughs> can, we, can we get shit in the booth now <laughs> back in the truck stop bathroom bill tries to get information from joey while he's sitting on the shitter Reading High Society, which was my personal skin mag as a teen. I always liked my brothers as well. My (laughs) brothers as well. I remember getting in the back seat of the car uh, to my mom's Ford Pinto, and she she's like, she's my brother's in there too. She's like, oh, I got found a bunch of magazines in the dumpster for you. She would because she worked where she worked in the city. She would she would grab things out of the dumpster sometimes and bring them over. They're brand new. Yeah. She had a stack of porno mags in the back for my brother. I was like. This is 19, I was like 11 or 12. And I'm like, what? This is disgusting. And, and how old was Eric at the time? 17. 
So, okay, so she's almost 18, and she's bringing home porno mags for him because she's a single mother, right, at the time? Well, no, we were we had my stepdad at this point. Okay, yeah. okay. And right. he, had a, he had a subscription to Playboy. Well, oh that's, that's classy. I mean, I mean, so I, I have a friend. I don't <laughs> want to call him out too much, but I have a friend who, unfortunately, his father passed away when, like, he was, like, I think four or something, like, real young, and his older brother, you know, a few years older and everything, but, like, the mom, who, you know, she was – obviously, none, none of that was planned, obviously, right? So she has to raise these two boys. Yeah. She's, and she grew up with, like, all sisters, so she's like, I don't know what to do with boys. And she wound up, like, at one point when the older brother was probably more like 14 or 15, she found a bunch of Playboys at a yard sale, and she's like, boys like Playboys, I guess? Like, they're going to have – he's going to have to learn somehow, I guess, and brought him home. It's just, like – seems like – and then I just see parallels with, you know, your mom, like, with that and stuff, and I'm just yeah. like – is that an '80s mom thing or something? Yeah, I think it is because then you realize, oh shit, <laughs> this could go down a bad rabbit hole. But is that sort of in lieu of having the birds and the bees talk? I think so. Okay. We never talked about it. Okay, okay. I had mine with my stepmom. It was very awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, used to, I used to hear my mom, so that yeah, was I very know. awkward. I, I know, buddy. You've told me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can cut that. <laughs> You're like, I won't. I won't. You'll never know. Oh, wait, can we look at that magazine again in the stalky? <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah, high, I, lo- I love this because you're sitting on the shitter, yeah, re- reading porno mag, and you're like, oh, man, this guy. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. They, they do the actor dirty because they insert a lot of fart noises and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you didn't, just because he's a bigger guy, you don't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> but so Bill's asking him about the weapons that Hendershot has. Tell me, man, does he really got like a lot of firepower down in the cellar? <laughs> Joey farts and says, well, you heard him tell me to shut up, didn't you? <laughs> Come on, Joey. This is serious. Joey sighs and says, He's got a lot. Bill asks, flamethrowers, rifles, what? A wet fart comes out of the stall, and Joey says he's going to get them in a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> Bill says, in case you didn't realize it, buddy, we're already in trouble. Bill walks over to the stall and, like, looks down on him, like, kind of peeks over and looks down. He goes, talk to me, Joey. Wet fart sound. <laughs> everything. He's got everything. And I'm like, I was like, he didn't have to throw in the wet fart sounds. <laughs> Stephen King. Cut to Brett and Bill in the basement looking at all the guns. Brett says, holy shit, you think he stole all these? Bill says, no, I think he bought them. That's what a guy like him does. Brett kicks something, then looks down and screams. It's the two dead bodies, Duncan and Moff Gideon. Just then, we hear Hinder shot from off screen. Jesus Christ, Palomino. This is cute, isn't it? Bill covers up the body. You find any money on him, Bubba? Hendershot walks into the room. I don't know what to make you, boy. You're bright. I know you are. Keep on being obtuse. He says that a lot. And anytime I hear that word, I think of Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, me too. Still don't quite know what it means. <laughs> well, you know, it's like outside. It's 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 not a right angle. An, an, an obtuse angle is... is past 90 degrees acute is before so you're not like basically not when you s- refer to a person being obtuse they're not on the level sort of like on the level yep okay okay cool brett says they don't want to steal anything they just want to get out of there alive 
Hendershot keeps looking at Bill and says, You messing again, Bubba, where you hadn't ought to be messing. Sometimes, maybe even college boys don't learn their lessons till they had their chops busted a few times, do they? Bill asks if he's blind to what's going on outside. Hendershot, I like this. Hendershot never breaks eye contact with Bill. I actually kind of, I think that's cool. You tell your little road twitch here about your illustrious career. Oh, he's a bloodthirsty criminal, a regular John Dillinger. Bill looks away and says, damn you. A couple of Charlotte cops found him in this little bitty grocery store. Sack of money in one hand, thumb up his ass, big grin on his face. You want to get out of here, boy? One call, I'll get you out of here. Bill asks, oh yeah, who are you going to call? We all know who he's going to call. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, that's the first thing you thought of too, right? When you of said, of course. <laughs> yeah. Now listen. Is this him or him? Hold on. Okay. Now listen. I don't want to play. <laughs> I almost did it in Hendershot's voice. Now listen. I don't want to play any goddamn games with you, Hendershot. I just want to get the hell out of here. Hendershot says, "I'm warning you, boy." Bill grabs an M16 and says, "No, I'm warning you." Hendershot stiffens up and says. When this thing is over, your ass is grass, boy. As Hendershot leaves, he yells at Joey for not keeping an eye on the keys to his gun room. Bill looks at Brett and says, I owed a guy some money. I was about 20 at the time. Not real bright about most things. Brett touches his arm and, and he says, and she says it's all right. He pulls away and says, no, it's not. You know, what gets me is the stupidity. The cops put the, that spotlight on me and I just froze like a rabbit. Brett grabs his hand and tells him it's all right. And I, I like that little story because it shows that he's not like a professional criminal. He was just a dumb kid. Yeah, and she's a road twitch. So, What is that? I don't know. She's a little, little, road, little road rat. I get that sense about her. I'm like, she, she's she's uh, road savvy. She's been on the road. With, with her... Uh, uh, what was it called? Mama's Helper or something like that? Or mm-hmm. her blade? She, she gets it and she gives it. So, uh, you know. Damn right. Cut to Deke in a field outside of the Dixie Boy. He stays hidden in some brush while he figures out how to get past the truck siege. Deke finds a drainage pipe but can't get the chain barrier. It's like a mesh barrier on front of it. He can't get it off and that's going to come back later. The sun goes down and we cut to Bill and Brett lying naked on a mattress under the sheets. She says, I'll tell you one thing. You sure make love like a hero. And you know um, Stephen King like was like, this is gold. Yeah, I don't need this. I, I don't need this. And I don't like when he's, he's, she's constantly calling him hero through this. Set. And like, no, he's not a fucking Ugh, It just sounds, it's kind of cliche. Yeah. And they're so sweaty. Yeah, and, yes, because it's, like, it's July in North Carolina. Yeah, and they're like, I'm, they probably both stank, you know. Emilio Estevez's eyes are bloodshot this entire movie, so I, yeah. I, yeah. I, he looks like a little child, too, you know? He's a little <laughs> he boy. And she towers over him. She's a lot taller than, she, than he is. She is. So you like, can tell they, they try to creatively do things with the camera angles to not show their, their but anytime yeah. they're standing next to each other, she's, like, looking down on him. Yeah, it's not it's not sexy, Jack. And, I mean, this movie has its flaws, but overall, we both yeah. very much enjoy it and love it, but... If I could truly change one thing, I think Brett, I mean, the whole cast, everything, I it would be perfect. Keep it the way it is. But I think Brett should have been turned into the lead character and yeah, then I pushed agree. Emilio to the side a little bit. I agree. Make her the hero, honestly. Yeah. 
<laughs> they do some smooching and then look out the window. The night sky has a green haze to it. Bill says, wow, look at that light. Brett says, I think it's the comet. We've been in its tail for almost 12 hours. And if it is that comet that, that's making everything go crazy, then all we got to do is stay alive for the next seven days. Bill says, no problem. And they go back to smooching. Bill stops and says he has an idea. He asks if she can sail. Brett says a little. Bill says he used to crew the big ones. Sailboats, no motors. Brett asks, where would they go? I've been thinking about this place called Haven. It's an island about six miles off the coast, and there aren't any motor vehicles allowed on the place, none whatsoever. Brett says to him, you know, you're not only a hero, you're a genius. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> but it's cool. I like that idea. Like, oh, an island? And apparently Ooh. Haven is uh, it's, it's in the Stephen King universe, essentially. And, and I think they actually turned it into a show or a movie in the early oh, 2000s. Yeah. Haven, I remember that show. It, was, okay. it wasn't bad. It was, okay. it was on sci-fi. Is that the one that all of a sudden had a dome on top of it and no uh, one could figure it out? Or is that called The Dome? I think that was called The Dome. But I think that was also a Stephen King one as well. Yeah. Wasn't there a show that you and I were watching with uh, the guy from um, uh, The Rocketeer was in it? Yes. Uh, they're in, they were in the Arctic. There was like the, like an alien goo or something. Yeah, Japanese. There was like a Japanese guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I know... Yeah, we I think we made it through the first season or almost to the end of it, but I know that show never had a conclusion. I think it fizzled out. But yeah, we were watching that. I oh, forgot really? what it's called. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Campbell was in that. Yes. Yes. But but that was around the same time Haven. Haven was like a quirky, right? I feel like it was a quirky show. Like sci-fi was... version of Picket Fences or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's that's ringing some bells, dude. That's ringing some bells. I early 2000s um, I think I was still I was still in Maryland, or about maybe about ready to come out to LA. But as soon as I come out to LA, I don't have cable anymore. So like Sci-Fi Channel stuff, I, I don't see. I have a giant gap basically, yeah. you know, in my viewing because yeah. of that. Me too. In the diner section of the truck stop, Joey is putting quarters in the jukebox. As ACDC starts playing, the thing blows up. One of the truck drivers shakes his head and smokes his cigarette. The whole goddamn world is going tits up. We see Wanda June is drunk and saying they can't do this. We made them! She smashes the beer bottle on the table and it shatters. They can't. We made them! Now look, honey, you're gone and hurt yourself. Now come on, sweet thing. Don't you sweet thing me! Now Wanda June, baby, just... They can't! We made them. You can't! We made you! One of the trucks breaks off from the siege and heads right towards Wanda. Bill picks her up and carries her back into the truck stop diner as she keeps screaming, We made you! Once she's inside, all the trucks start honking their horns in unison as the power goes out in the Dixie Boy. 
Wanda screams, and everyone looks outside as the trucks keep circling the place. Now, I was, you know, again, I hadn't seen this movie in 15, 20 years. <laughs> I was the Michael Sarah GIF from uh, uh, Arrested Development because I thought this is when she gets gunned down, and I was like, yeah. it's, it's happening, isn't it? <laughs> I, was, I was so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, it's later. It's when she has the bazooka. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm like, oh, this is the part right now. Damn it. It's because the squibs in this movie are so gushy. I love them. I love when people get shot in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a time jump, and everyone is just sitting in the dark and getting on each other's nerves, except except for Kurt and Connie. They're fooling around and finger-banging each other in the booth in the back. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yes. <laughs> and, and, like, he's got his, like, jacket on top of and it's, like, pointing up. And So I think she's giving him a hand job, and he's flicking her bean. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Oh, no. Man, I was insanely hungover this morning, by the way. Really? Yeah. We, I, drank, I drank a lot of whiskey when we were recording last night. Were you? <laughs> yes. Were you? Yes. Bill and Brett are playing cards and betting with peanuts to pass the time. Brett looks out the window and says there are a lot less of them. Bill says, looks like they're running dry. She says, maybe tomorrow it'll be our world again. Bill looks at her and says, was it ever? Like, that's another one that I'm sure Stephen King was like, this is gold. Yeah. No, oh, God. <laughs> commentary social commentary right just then they hear a gurgling scream coming from outside then a high-pitched whine then it turns into a grotesque help me yeah everyone gets up to look outside and brett says oh god it's that bible salesman i rode with kurt asks there's some guy out there we hear him begging for help from the ditch he was knocked in Kurt says, let's go get him. But Connie says, oh, no, you don't. You let some of those other big, strong men go out there and get him. One of the truck's drivers says he didn't sign on to be no hero. Kurt walks towards the front door, but Bill stops him and says, you can't go. You can't get there from here. Kurt asks if they're just going to stand around and listen to him die. Bill says there might be another way. And And Bill actually says, it's like the joke says you can't get there from here. And I'm like, I don't know that joke. <laughs> what, what, who wrote that joke? Stephen King. Yeah. Bill should have said, it's like Stephen King always says. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> and then one guy goes, that Stephen King guy's a great writer. I know. I love that guy. See, Bubba, I thought we'd find something in common. <laughs> Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV, and music, to slang, food, and fashion, you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. 
I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. And now, back to the show. We see Deke find another drain pipe with the grate off. He crawls in as a convoy of new trucks pull up to the Dixie Boy. Back at the truck stop, Bill, Kurt, and a few of the drivers are at the back door looking at the truck stop showers. Bill, who's carrying a rope and a bazooka, says, The shower drain runs into the ditch where the guy is. Kurt, who has an M16, asks, Will we fit? Only one way to find out. Handy says, You boys are crazy. Connie comes running to Kurt and tells him he ain't going. Kurt says, There's a man lying hurt out there, honey. Connie says... There's going to be a man lying hurting here if he doesn't quit this foolishness. Brett says to her, if that was your man out there, you'd want someone to go, wouldn't you? Connie says, well, it ain't. Then looks at Kurt and says, don't make me a widow on my wedding day, Curtis. He says, okay, and they kiss. And he's saying, okay, I won't make you a widow, but he's still going to go. Yeah. Don't make me a widow on my wedding day, Curtis. Ain't nobody going to marry me. You're the only fool. You're the only one foolish enough. Come on. You know you like tuna fish. <laughs> you know you know you like the way I stroke your cock under the, oh under the table. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so and gross. I love the way you flick my bean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Intershot says... You boys are just as crazy as a couple of rats in a plugged-up shithouse. I mean, come on. Let's admit that Stephen King gave him some great lines, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bill looks at him and says, And you, sir, are without a doubt one of the biggest fuckheads I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I could love that. Yeah. He kisses Brett for luck and takes off with Kurt. They hide behind a car, then head for the showers when there's a break in the trucks. Once inside... Kurt remarks that they were lucky that one truck was out of gas. Bill wonders what makes him so sure it was. But they don't have time to worry about it right now. I don't feel like that ever really comes back into play. Like, there's a truck that was stealthily waiting or something? Yeah, I mean, it kind of sets up that they've got more trucks coming. It sets up the idea that they're watching them intently. I don't know. But they were doing that all before anyways, so... I think, yeah, it could have cut that dialogue right there. Yep. They find a manhole and remove the cover. They drop a sleeping bag down into the water, then tie a rope around a pipe and use it to climb down. All the while, ACDCs for those about to rock is playing. That's another song I love by them, by the way. Yep. For those about to rock, fire! We salute you! For those about to rock, fire! 
awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I was a big ACD. I'm still. A, I like ACDC. I, yeah. I, I, I never big change the channel gun. ever when it comes on the radio. No, Big Gun's great in the Last Action Hero. Yep. Big Gun. And I know you said early on that you did like ACDC and you like both singers, but do you have a preference on one singer? I think I. I'm just grew up on Brian Johnson. You know, I like him more. He he's the one with the hat, right? He was the replacement guy. Yeah. 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 He I mean he he had all their big eighties hits, you know. Hey you shake me on that That song is so overplayed in every bar, you know. Oh my god, turn that song on. I love it. Drunk chicks yeah. everywhere, getting drunk, singing to that song. Frat boy frat dickhead boys, you know, slamming beers and crushing their heads crushing cans on their skulls and yeah and you're like oh this isn't their best song yes right and i'm on a highway to hell and surprising no one i'm sure i feel the exact same way as you he was always <laughs> my favorite leads uh you know of of the two he was always my favorite i like that era of acdc although i do like you know the earlier stuff too but i like that era and it's kind of like van halen i am a, a sammy hagar fan of, of van halen i like the david lee roth stuff too but i am actually much more of a sammy hagar guy how do i know when it's love well you know he's a numerology guy too by the way did you know that sammy hagar he's super into numerology he grew up in um a dirt hole town in southern california near the motor speedway and uh and his his uh house burnt down i read his biography it's fascinating he almost went to he almost went to prison for pot possession wow. but was uh the judge was lenient on him because the bailiff knew him from the record store that he worked at so they were easy on him and he hightailed it out of there up to san francisco with his girlfriend at the time and uh hooked up with um montrose ronnie montrose and you know got that song bad motor scooter mm -hmm. and then he took his first big check and he invested into um uh, i believe the uh, sprinkler systems in apartment complexes and oh. then it Wow. He got huge, and so he made bank off that. Then he invested in what later became the first mountain bike, the Red Rocker. He met a guy uh, up in Northern California who's like, I want to take this 10-speed and this like BMX bike and put them together, and they made the mountain bike. And he invested in that, and that became huge. Wow. The guy's smart as hell. He's always been smart with his money, That's unlike awesome. David Lee Roth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so and you know he tells wild stories about partying with Van Halen in between their solos. The guys would all leave the stage and go have sex with the groupies while they were underneath the stage while the guys would have their solos. You know, so Eddie would do his solo. Everyone would go off stage, have sex with a bunch of women. Alex at Van Halen would do his drum solo. Everyone off stage. You know, crazy stories. Wow. Crazy stories. He's fascinating. I have a lot of respect for that dude. I love that dude. And I mean, he seems like a genuinely nice guy, too. And just the idea that he, like, invested his money wisely and everything, that's so cool, you know? Well, so, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. So when his house burned down, uh, when the house burned down with his father in it, I think his father died in there, uh, he found a book of numerology that in the back shed and and started reading about numbers and got fascinated with aliens that's why one of the songs off of uh, 5150, I think, is their first album, or OU812. 
Um, it's, uh, you know, that lo- when love walks in. When love walks in, is it an alien? Yeah, yeah. That's about eight being uh, visited by aliens. Was he ever visited? Is is he an experiencer? He feels like he was. Uh, he he was he was uh, around alien presence. Wow. Okay. So he's fascinated with that stuff. Wow. I. Dude, what's the what's the name of that? Well, I'm sure he's done multiple. But what is the name of that autobiography that you read? That book um, is called. It might be called. Uh, it might just be called Red. I'm, I'm double checking right now. Um, it's called. Yeah, it's called Red. My uncensored life in rock. Uh, Red R E D or R E A D. R E D. Okay. Red. Okay. Interesting. And it's. It's great. And obviously he has his Cabo Wabo Cantina. Um, you know, his uh is like his origin story, how he got to where up uh, getting up to the Bay Area is wild cuz the guy sh- shouldn't have uh you know, he should he should have been in prison because his buddy uh, that was also up on the same charges did go to prison. Damn. So, um, yeah, he was, he was born in Salinas, but he spent most of his time, um, you know, in, in oh my God. And, um, Fontana, that's what it was. Okay. Fontana, Fontana, which is a dirt hole too. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. So wow. read red. It's a great story. Wow. I, dude, I didn't, I mean, I love it. I love these kind of tangents when I learn something like that and everything. And that, and it makes me like the person we were talking about more that, you know, than when we went into the conversation now. Right. Right. And for anybody that's like, he took a picture with Donald Trump. No, that was, uh, that guy walked up to him and put his hand out to shake his hand. It was like so forced and awkward that just happened recently. So oh, did it for really? anybody to don't shit on him. He didn't do, I don't think, I don't, Sammy Hergauer is like, pretty liberal dude yeah so. i would i would say so yes <laughs> let's see where was it okay hold on see. sewers we're getting the sewers right drain they make the way to ditch okay did they seem oh. ninja turtles in there man? <laughs> yeah so they're down in the drain and and uh once they're in the drain they make their way to the di- uh to the ditch and knee-high piss water this is funny this is a funny scene by the way yeah no, i i like it bill bill falls in and kurt laughs and asks how it tastes and bill pays him back by like sending a rat back at him type of thing eh, i like this i like I, I honestly wish we saw a bit more of bill and kurt because they actually seem like they have a pretty decent relationship they had good chemistry together as well yeah i agree no it's a really funny scene and it, much needed levity at this point too yeah it, this is when I like Emilio more when he's not playing like this heavy good guy. It's just more like silly jokester guy. Yes. Yes, I agree. And as much as I do love Repo Man, I mean, I've watched it multiple times in the past year. Um, sometimes his character, I'm like, I don't find you that likable too much. But I don't at the same time, I don't know if you're supposed to either. I don't think so. But I agree with you. Cut to Deke making it out of his storm drain and crawling through the muddy ditch and seeing the Bible salesman. The man is laying on his back with his eyes wide open. Deke waves his hand in front of the man's de- the dead man's eyes. I'm using that in quotation marks. And, uh, and he doesn't blink or move. And it should be noted, as much as we hate this character, uh, the interview with Holt, uh, Holton, uh, the, Holter, uh, the guy who played the kid, the guy who plays deke said he yes. was really nice the the guy who plays the bible salesman was really nice in the scene and to you know they're he's a nice guy oh but, he's a good actor like yeah. you you know just like your lead's a good actor too uh she just 
it's just annoying. But yeah, he's good. Like he, you want to despise him, right? And that's, he's great in Last Dragon. Yeah, and it's by design. You know, just like Hindershot yeah. being an asshole is by design. But the 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 lines that he nails are great, and he nails. Oh yeah, them. you're supposed to despise Pat Hingle's a yeah. I love that dude too. Yeah, just not Yearly Smith. Yes. <laughs> Deke puts his head on the man's chest and doesn't hear a heartbeat, so he starts crawling away. The salesman screams to life and grabs Deke by his legs. He gurgles, out there. Deke asks, how? Pull me. Pull me. Deke tells him he's too heavy. Get me out of this ditch or by Jesus, I'll kill you. Just then, Bill and Kurt explode out of the shower drain. Deke yells for Bill, and the two men run to the boy's aid. They try to pull Deke away from the now truly dead salesman. Kurt confirms it. But his hand has a death grip on the kid's pants. Just then, a dump truck breaks off from the siege and goes after our heroes. Bill gets Deke free just in time, and all three of them make it back into the shower drain before being run over. The dump truck destroys the drain and parks itself at the opening so they can't escape that way again. And so I don't know if that's a mistake because now they technically can't escape through that drainage, but they're going to, at the end of the movie, they're going to escape through the shower again. So I don't know if that's kind of a, a mistake or there was a, a, a branch remember, in, in the drains. Maybe they went the, the other way later. I, I don't know. There wasn't, but you just gave them a pass. Okay. You know what? Thank you. Keep me honest, my friend. <laughs> continuity i'm yeah. sure you know it works yeah i, li- I like what you did <laughs> you're like then i they... like how you just made up a, a branch in the uh <laughs> a fork well, no in actually the sewer. they meet a bunch of turtles in there and then the <laughs> turtles are like hey dude you need help to get out of here are you gonna take Bodie to see the new movie oh hell yeah we're yeah. gonna go see meg too first though fuck yeah dude i'm gonna see meg too i <laughs> cannot wait i love the he's meg like, man it's a great movie i don't give a shit he, i have fun with yeah, that movie <laughs> he cannot wait to see meg too he's Me like too. i want to see what it does to that little dog even though the dog's cute i'm like oh Bodie, i, I love you man <laughs> but yeah we're gonna go see uh, uh the team oh hell well. yeah yeah of course uh once once inside the showers deke asks bill if his dad is okay bill just looks at him and says come on back at the truck stop Connie says she thinks the trucks got them and screams, where are they? Handy points and says they just came out of the showers. As Bill, Kurt, and Deke run back to the rest of the gang, Hindershot says, that ain't no salesman. That's Duncan's kid. They almost all make it back inside when one of the trucks spots Bill and heads towards him. Bill fires the bazooka and blows it to hell. We hear a growl in the explosion. I like that, and they're going to do more of it later. Yeah, I, like, I love that, too. It reminds me of the car when it blows up at the end. You see the giant skull. In the totally. Fire. Bill runs inside and at, and everyone cheers. Hendershot says, you ain't going to be satisfied until you get them. That's hard to say. You ain't going to be satisfied until you get them right in here with us, are you, Bubba? As Brett is greeting Bill, Deke is looking around. Finally, he asks Bill where his dad is. Hendershot says, done. He's you know, referring to Duncan Dunn got scrubbed by one of them big boys out there. Tough break, kid. Brett calls him an unbelievable shithead. Deke looks at Bill and asks if it's true. Bill nods and says it's true. Deke starts crying 
and tries to run, but Bill stops him and holds him while he cries. Brett says, Mr. Hendershot, then walks up to him and smacks him in the face. Just a little lesson in manners from the road twitch. Um, I like how Bill becomes like the surrogate father figure to to Deke. It feels natural. It feels nice. Like he's like he just holds him. He's like just, just hold on tight, Deke. You know, I, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. And you know that that's the direction they're going. Like he would be. They they have this little nuclear family now. Right. Yeah. It's always these movies always. I think even Dawn the Dead has that. Like you're always gonna have the the guy and the girl are gonna survive, and then they're gonna have their kid, their new kid that they, that she didn't have to give birth to, so she can sort of maintain her her hotness. You know what I mean? You know that this is what's going through the writer's head, Stephen King. You know? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Because why can't just, why can't women just have a kid that without having the kid? <laughs> exactly. And, and 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 it's grown up to take care of itself, but the woman still likes to take care of it. So so the man doesn't have to do shit. It's such a male fantasy to all of a sudden have this like created nuclear family that you didn't have to like change the diapers of and everything. Yeah, because trust me, folks. All y'all that got kids, you know, you know what it's like. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, yep. I mean, it's, it's, take the good, you take the bad. That's the facts of life. <laughs> Curtis, Curtis, when are you gonna impregnate me? <laughs> Cut to the next morning, and everyone is asleep except for Deke, who's sitting at a table. We see two menacing-looking vehicles driving down the highway. One is a yellow caterpillar with a big bucket in the front, and the other, I'm going to have to explain this, is a portable machine gun stand on wheels. And it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. There's four wheels, a flat bed, then this, like, a steering wheel on, a, on you know, on a just really high up, and then yeah. a machine gun. So, like, there's no seat. There's no seat anywhere, and I've never seen anything like it. But I have to. I just refer it to like as, I just refer to it as a mobile gun platform. Yeah, it's like uh, someone took a jeep and ripped everything off it except for the gun and, and the steering wheel. Yep. Back at the Dixie Boy, all the trucks that are circling the place stop. Deke looks outside, then goes and wakes up Bill and Brett. The room they are sleeping in has many nude pics on the wall and so much bush. Deke's like, hey guys, can you go check this out? I'll, I'll stay in your room and, and, and stay quiet. <laughs> Curtis, where are you? I'll be right out. Deke, it's my turn. It's, it's my turn to go in the room now. <laughs> so High much, five. So, so much bush. So much. Ah, <laughs> oh, the 80s. Outside, the caterpillar drives onto the scene and starts moving the destroyed trucks out of the way. Everyone in the Dixie Boy wake up when they hear the metal being moved. One of the guys busts out of the arcade room and the window shattered. He says, what the fuck is going on here? I thought that was funny that the both windows break. <clears throat> yeah, that was hilarious. Kind of like it's Ford Fairlane when he comes out of the, the recording studio and knocks that lady the, the water out of her hands and everything. <laughs> I'm going to be the one good. <laughs> What's this asshole smiling about? <laughs> God. Kyle Troy is a joke. <laughs> Kyle Troy. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Anytime we mention it, dude, I just start laughing. I love it. I love when he eats the fucking CDs and blood's coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Come on, Jazz. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh man. 
Hendershot and Wanda come out of his office. Uh, you can tell they were clearly sleeping together. Everyone goes to the windows and watches the chaos. The Caterpillar finally goes up to Hendershot's car, as we mentioned before, the license plate says Bubba, and shoves it into the wall of the Dixie Boy, forcing the car into the diner. The old man gets pissed and grabs the bazooka and says, You want a war? You got one! Bill says he wouldn't do that as Hendershot walks towards the, the hole in the wall with his bazooka aimed. Everyone runs for cover as he fires and does minimal damage to the Caterpillar. The mobile gun aims his... M60, it's like a heavy machine gun, and lights up the diner. Wanda dives for cover, but Hendershot is hit. He falls down dead. The machine gun keeps firing, and two truck drivers are killed as everyone else hits the deck. The machine gun unloads its clip, tearing the place up and killing one last driver. After it stops shooting, a low growl comes out of the gun. And this this is with... So... The the guy I watched the other documentary I watched on the Blu-ray was from the special effects guy, the guy who was in charge of all the special effects. He said there were two blood mixtures, and he kind of he kind of other production in the team, like maybe set designers, would come to him because he was in charge of you know all the fake blood, and they're like, we need some yada yada yada. So he, he I think he gave them the wrong one. He gave them the one he was supposed to use in the squibs, and then he used the one that I think was supposed to maybe be on on sets and stuff like that, like on the wall. But he's like, "But what it turns out, because that one is a bit more liquidy." He's like, "It's why are that's why the squibs in this movie are so juicy." And I'm like, oh, it's, okay. "It's cool because I love the squibs in this movie. I love like in RoboCop. I love explosive squibs." Yeah, me too. Me too. The, the the drivers who get lit up in the diner it's it's pretty awesome yeah yeah because they just like you know go, 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 go. like treat williams and dead heat rest in peace <laughs> yeah big rips to treat williams everyone slowly gets to their feet and surveys the damage wanda looks in shock and says you sons of bitches she picks up the bazooka and goes for the door yelling sons of bitches one of, the me- one of the mechanics tries to stop her, but Bill stops him. Outside, she cries, We made you! Can't you understand? You can't do this! We made you! The machine gun cuts Wanda down, but as she dies, she fires off the bazooka and destroys one of the trucks. Deke walks to the window, and Bill tells him to get down. The boy asks why. It's right there. If it wanted to waste us, it would. The horn on the steering wheel of the mobile machine gun platform starts beeping. Brett asks what it's doing, and Deke says it's Morse code. He says he knows because he got a merit badge in it last spring. Deke turns over a paper food map and grabs a pen and starts writing. Someone must pump fuel. Brett says, incredible. They want us to feed them. One of the drivers says, fuck them. Let them starve. Half of them is out of gas already. Deke keeps writing. Someone will not be harmed. This will be done now, or you will all die. And I, by the way, I like that it doesn't like speak in perfect English. Like these things are, I mean, they're. We should have no concept of what they're thinking because it should be so foreign to us. Yep. Joey says they can't fill the trucks anyways. They ain't got no power. Just then, the lights in the Dixie Boy turn on. Bill says, "I'm gonna go to the pumps." 
I just hope none of them left home without their American Express cards. Oh. <laughs> Brett goes chasing after him. Dude, that that whole like, yeah, that dates it. That's a that's because that's a reference to all the commercials at the time. That that's one of the few things I think in the dialogue kind of dates the movie. In the back, she tells Billy can't do it. It's like Chamberlain giving in to the Nazis. Bill tells her he has to show her something. He points outside of the trucks and says that the big ones can't come in here and kill us because they would fall into the basement. They're the heavyweights. But there's a reason the gun platform hasn't called in a napalm truck to burn the place down. So he knows that they, they're needed. Yeah. What are they going to do? Run me down? That would be like a junkie trying to run down his connection. Brett tells him to be careful, and everyone watches as Bill walks outside. He grabs a tablecloth and puts it over Wanda's dead body, then walks towards the machine gun with his arms up. It tracks him as he walks past it and up to the Green Goblin. He says, All right, you bastard. Tell all your friends the main line is open. I got the best shit on the East Coast. Practically uncut. Got that fuck face? Bill walks away and the Green Goblin growls to life. Bill walks over to Brett, who's standing by a gas pump, and says, This could be a very long day. And cue the 80s gas pumping montage to ACDC's Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells! I like that one too. That's another one I really like. Yeah. Hell's Bells. Don't, 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 no, no. Yep. Hell's Bells! so good man fuck have yeah. you ever been to an acdc concert i think i i don't think i've ever seen acdc live that would have been a band i it's, i think it's too late now but mm-hmm. uh i will say bon scott's it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll is a great song too but um yeah i never did i never did yeah me neither dude mm-hmm. i kind of get the feeling our ears would bleed though if we did because i mean man his voice is just amazing Ow! Don't fry your vocal cords, man. <laughs> yeah, you'll find out tomorrow. And again, I, I never, I don't dislike Bon Scott stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm more with the, the other guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Brian, Brian Johnson. Brian, yeah, Brian Johnson. I just, it's always the hat. I always remember the hat. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> Everyone takes turns bumping gas while more trucks come in from the highway and the sun beats down. All the while, the machine gun is aimed at everyone while they work. As an exhausted Brett is relieved from her duties by another trucker, she whispers to him, I hope they choke on it. Everyone keeps pumping until the pumps are dry. The trucks start honking in unison all the way down the highway as a tanker truck parts the convoy and drives up to Bill. He yells, what do you want? As it slowly bumps him backwards. The truck moves Bill by the underground fuel tank and stops. Bill takes the pump off the truck and starts filling the tank. Handy comes over to help him because he can tell Bill is exhausted. The younger man says, They don't understand how it is to get tired. How a man gets tired. Handy says, Why should they? Then he walks him back to the truck stop. As they do, Handy tells Bill they've been putting things in the cellar and they saw a big sewer pipe, but it's blocked by wires and mesh. But maybe they can use it to get out. The mobile machine gun rolls over and breaks them up. Brett comes out and helps Bill inside while Handy goes back to tending the fuel. Inside, Brett is trying to cool Bill down with a wet cloth. He's sunburned and possibly has heat stroke. He says the comet is like a broom. 
Imagine, you're a race of aliens, right? And you're looking for a new place to live. So you're looking for a planet. Like, we'd look for a new house or something. And here's Earth. And it's like a big old house. And it's kind of polluted, dirty, and smoky. Grease on the walls, soot in the chimney. And they send in the interstellar house cleaners. Send in their broom. Sweep us all up. The scene fades out and we see everyone still pumping gas. It's been some time because we see Bill walking through the parking lot. He's hold, he holds his hands up and walks by the machine gun, which is tracking him, and over to one of the truck drivers who is sitting on the tread of the Caterpillar. Bill asks how he's doing. Tired and scared. Bill says he has a plan. Cut to two guys cutting through the wire mesh on that one pipe Deke discovered, but they are cutting it from the inside out. Back in the parking lot, the driver Bill is talking to says they are never going to get out of here. They both stop walking near the machine gun. Bill tells the man to run, then he drops a grenade in the bed of the mobile gun platform, then hits the machine gun and spins it around. The two guys go running into the truck stop as the gun fires in circles, then explodes. Inside the diner, we see Bill and the other guy on their knees, covering their heads with their butts in the air. Brett laughs and says, I ain't never seen a hero with his ass in the air like that. Now, that's the line I like. That's the one time I wish she called him a hero. I wish would, all the other ones were cut. Yeah. No, that, that, that one works. And it's a great moment when the thing blows up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I like how then, like, the, the other shells in the machine, like, they keep firing off and stuff like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this is when all hell breaks loose in a good way. Yeah, I only have like a page left in the breakdown. It's wild because <laughs> it's a lot of action at this point. And, and you know, yeah. some time passes and we see the truck circling the Dixie boy at night inside the showers. Connie is complaining about going down into the drain below that curtain bill used earlier. One of the drivers just lowers her down and shakes his head while she never stops yelling. I do like, like him. He, he doesn't say anything. He's just like, oh, God, no. I'm, oh, God, I'm going to have to go on a road trip with her great i'm gonna have to be on a boat with you oh god you know connie might get to the boat she might not survive them she might not make it off the boat <laughs> exactly i'm getting sick i wear my fish crackers i can't swim i know i and that was kurt that pushed her (laughs) curtis help (laughs) my heart will not go on without you mine will and now it is kind of a funny edit because as she's yelling you know he kind of goes down into the then it cuts to you know connie crawling through the mud she's still like complaining and everything right it doesn't end uh, they all climb out of the sewer drain. Sorry. They all climb out of the shower drain just as the trucks circling the Dixie Boy lose their patience and start driving through it. The group watch the building get destroyed from across the highway. ACDC plays while the Dixie Boy is totaled. The night sky still has a green tint to it. Deke asks if they can get out of there, and Bill tells them to get a move on. We see the Green Goblin truck drive down the highway as the Dixie Boy explodes. Cut to our group of survivors walking through the bush on the side of the road. We see a sign that says the marina is a mile away. The marina. (laughs) What's something wrong with your (laughs) brote? 
We see the Green Goblin drive past the same sign, letting us know he's on their trail. And this is cool. He drives past a plane, I guess it's the other the plane from before, that's now crashed headfirst into a school bus, like top down and sticking out of it. Looks awesome. Presumably it did that to kill the kids and everything. And again, I'm like, what I love about this movie is you see all the chaos that's happening around you. I like seeing the the, the residual chaos. And right. then the fact that, like, Stephen King's got a thing for killing kids, apparently. I mean, he does. He does it all the time in his movies. Wow. And, I mean, books. You're right. It, Silver Bullet. I mean, well, uh, Silver Bullet's, what's it based on? Cycle of the Werewolf. Cycle of the Werewolf, yes. Werewolf. Wolf. And that was another one that kind of, it, by the way, that one's in your stack. I love that movie, and I watched it so many times as a kid, just probably just as much as this. But that yeah. was another one that kind of traumatized me was when we you saw his friend was shredded, and you see that the the kite is all bloody and yeah, everything. Yeah, and, and his creepy dad who's like, yeah, with his with his weird head. Yeah, and, yeah, and his butt chin, penis yeah. chin. I got one of those. I got a butt chin. You can't really see it in my beard. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a brain chin. <laughs> it looks like a brain. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard that before. <laughs> Bill and the gang all carrying machine guns, even deep. Bill and the gang. <laughs> yeah. They hide by a diner to assess the situation. Bill says they're about a half a mile from the marina when all of a sudden the, the drive through order box starts yelling, humans here. And that's Stephen King's voice, by the way. Um, it's kind of robotic and everything. Deke cocks his gun and says, this is for my dad, you loudmouth son of a bitch, and lights it up. He hands his gun to Brett and says he doesn't want it anymore. Well, you should probably hold on to it. Yeah. Just then, we see an ice cream truck driving down the street towards them. It's the same one Deke was hiding from earlier. It has the same bloodstains on it. Then Kurt and Brett shoot the truck, causing it to explode and flip over. Now, that was a stunt that actually went wrong, and you can tell it's coming right at the camera, and one of the camera guys had to grab another camera guy and basically pull him out of the way. Um, I don't think any gear got destroyed, but he did have to like kind of like save somebody. I think his name was like Copper or something, and they put his name on one of the time cards that has oh, the red – the red uh, because. He did more work than he should have done by saving that guy's life, essentially. Tell you what we're going to do. You're going to give me a pay raise? No. 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 We're going to put your name on a your name <laughs> on a card. With a star. And put a star next to it. You mean the ones where they're where they're on parole? Yeah. See, so what's my backstory? You're on parole for uh, assaulting a minor. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Thanks, man. And, and, and killing and killing the miner's mom. What? Wait, what? It was self-defense. No, trust me. This is, this is good. This it's is all good. good. It's all good. Here, do a line of coke with me. Do a bump. So then the guy said, I took the hit that I was given and I bumped again and then I bumped again and said, how do I get back, back there, How too. do I get back there to the place, place where, where I fell asleep inside you? <laughs> how do I get myself back to a place where she said, I want something else to get me through this summertime kind of life. A baby, baby. <laughs> Sorry. I mean. I mean, whatever. That that song is fun to sing, man. I love that song. Yeah. Everybody's like, we're finished maximum overdrive. <laughs> guys, we're like, we're like so close. We're so we're getting close there. To oh. So yeah, so flips over and is destroyed. Bill and the rest run down a dirt road to the marina while we see the Green Goblin driving down the road. 
it runs over a dead body of a motorcyclist. That's a cool little, you know. I t- like that. Yeah, attention to detail. Yep. At the marina, Bill points to a large sailboat and says, that's the one. They all run to it, but one of the truck drivers sees a dead lady hanging out of her car and decides to grab her jewelry. Now, I do like the fact that, like, that actress never blinks. She they, she does a fantastic job. And the camera really was dead. I, I thought that. I was like, what if they actually killed her? Because <laughs> the camera, like, zooms in and everything, and she never yeah. flinches or blinks. Stephen King's like, hey, guys, can we get a real dead body? No. No, Mr. King. Oh, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> why not? Why, I don't, why not? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Everyone piles into the sailboat, and Brett asks where Bill is. Everyone piles into the sailboat, and Brett asks Bill where Brad is. And that's when I was like, too many fucking B names. We see Brad taking a giant diamond ring off the dead lady's hand and admiring it. But he doesn't see the green goblin behind him sitting there. The machine comes to life and flattens Brad. Bill runs to the street with his bazooka, aims it, and shoots the Green Goblin with it. The metal beast explodes and everyone cheers. ACDC music kicks in as they get the sailboat free from the dock and head down the river. Deke asks if everything is going to be all right, and Bill says he knows it will. And this is where I was like, man, this ending feels so similar to Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Oh, yeah. It does. Yeah. Someone was influenced by it. I think so. And apparently uh, what was cut from the script, I don't think it was ever filmed, but they were they run into a, a uh, Coast Guard boat with a machine gun and they have to kind of get past it. But I, I don't think that was necessary. I think because mm. killing the green, the green Goblin was the main antagonist and killing that, you're, you know, you're done with that at that point. Yeah. There's one last bit of text that comes on the screen. Two days after, a large UFO was destroyed in space by a Russian weather satellite, which happened to be equipped with a laser cannon and Class IV nuclear missiles. Approximately six days later, the Earth passed beyond the tail of Rhea M, exactly as predicted. The survivors of the Dixie Boy are still survivors. We hear Connie complain about being seasick. I think I'm going to woof my cookies. And then (sighs) cut to credits we're still survivors from surviving her (laughs) and that's maximum overdrive honestly this was one of my shortest breakdowns because there just wasn't a lot of dialogue to track and everything but um yeah dude uh final thoughts on the movie man you you said you loved it as a kid and you know you you hadn't seen in about 15 or 20 years how well did you think it held up oh it's it's fun and anybody that thinks it's trash or whatever, then go find something else that you enjoy because this is a fun watch. This is a fun watch. It's silly. There's a lot of quirky characters. There's a lot to talk shit at, but there's also a lot of things to go gaga over. So it's fun. It's this is this is the perfect movie for our podcast because it's a cult classic. There's people that love it and there's people that don't, and that's all good. If you like something, great. If you don't like it, well, hey man. You know, that's like your own personal problem or whatever, you know, whatever the dude says. So It's like uh, your opinion, man. It's like your opinion, man. Yeah, that's what I always say. That's what I always say because it's a flat-out fact. It's like if you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's fine too. 
but yeah, final thought is uh, um, more Deke, less Connie. <laughs> more Deke, more Brett, less Connie. Yeah. And yes. by the way, I don't think we, we didn't call it out at the beginning, but we are actually recording this on its 37th anniversary. Uh, it's July 25th. Um, it came out in 19, July 25th, 1986 in the U.S. Wow. That's amazing. Cool. We totally planned it that way. Wink, wink. <laughs> I mean, we did that too. That was a plan for you. <laughs> did a musical episode. I love our musical episodes. Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, 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 I love this movie. I still do. Um, it's always nice, you know, to have a movie that you watched so much as a kid that you loved and have it still hold up. You know, it's not perfect. We know that. We called out a lot of it. And, I get it. I totally get it. But I think this movie has a lot of charm to it. And I think Stephen King does a good job with the atmosphere of the film. I, honestly, yeah. I think the the biggest critic of the movie is Stephen King. I think he kind of bashes it more than it rightfully deserves. Well, Stephen King's got interesting opinions. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. So, yeah. you know. And, and opinions are like not... assholes. Everyone's got them. Exactly. He's not perfect. I like this movie. I'll watch it again. It's, yeah. it's quintessential quintessential eighties. Yes. Yeah, dude. Totally. Totally. And you know what else you know what's quintessential eighties? Two dollar lefty, baby. We so, just dropped actually the the late the newest episode of Territory Marks just dropped. And it's a doozy. Um this one we titled I think a whole lot of lightning in this one because uh, Paul picks uh, a match between Billy Jack Haynes and the guy named Thunderfoot, <laughs> which sparks a whole interesting discussion about nicknames and why someone I used to know said, I don't take kindly to nicknames. <laughs> um, and my cho- my pick is the Lightning Express versus... Every man's nightmare Sting when he was a heel, believe it or not, Sting was a heel, and the manster Rick Steiner, who went on to be join a make, uh, who went on to form a tag team with his brother Scott Steiner and become yeah. the Steiner brothers. And so this is and, when they were. And I, sorry, I just want to cut you off because you know I don't know much about wrestling, but my favorite move is the Frankensteiner. Yes, and we will be covering a Steiner Brother match down the road. But, um, yeah, that match is wild for sure. And it's really wild because the epi- the, uh, the, the the clip we pulled that's on YouTube or the, the actual full episode that it's from features a bizarre, bizarre version of The Boys Are Back in Town by a particular creepy <laughs> wrestler uh, who was mentioned in the episode prior. So uh, you got to check it out. Territory Marks, that's the latest episode. Then we're launching into August with a very uh, fun uh, theme for that month. So stay tuned. A lot more to come. That's right. And, you know, as far as podcasting after dark goes, August is going to be an is a little bit of a different month for us. So um, we talked about it on Wrap Up After Dark, but uh, we're going to be covering a couple of documentaries and everything. If you want to know what they actually are, go check out Wrap Up After Dark on our Patreon feed. Um, but we're going to do like we did last year. And we're going to have uh, uh, we're going to do two documentaries and we're going to do like free form discussions and everything, because honestly, Zach's going out of town really soon. And then I'm going to be out of town for like two weeks uh, doing a road trip with my mom. And then so like it's just it's going to be a little wonky. And I think at this point, August is always going to be like that for us. We're always going to have a but I love it. I 
it's not a wonky thing. It gives us a reason to cover movies that we wouldn't have probably covered otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be fun. You guys are really going to enjoy what's to come for the month of August. Yeah, and we got good feedback on last August when we did our two documentaries and everything. We did uh, My Best Fiend, and we did uh, 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 The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, um, and you guys loved both of those. So we got the two that we're going to do this year, I think you all are going to like as well. Agreed. And of course, don't forget to go to our website, podcastyafterdark.com, where you can find every episode, you know, the, uh, from the main feed and everything like that. You can find links to our Patreon page. You can find links to all the podcatchers. But more importantly, you can also find links to our merch store. So if you enjoy podcasting after dark, go pick up a shirt. Tell, you know, wear it proud. Say it loud and say it proud. You know, walk around with it and everything. Uh, we have some great designs over there. I've I've personally designed a few of them and everything, and they're fun. And you know what? $2 Late Fee has a merch store as well. So go to $2LateFee.com. That's T-W-O. Um, and you, they have merch store. They have everything as well. And they also have Patreon. So we appreciate everyone who's joined both Patreons. You guys are all yeah. awesome. Um, but a free way to help out Podcast After Dark and a free way to help out $2 Late Fee or any other podcast that you listen to, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever allows you to leave a review like that. Uh, they really do help. They honestly really do help get new listeners in front of the show. They sure do. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. I can't swim. <laughs>Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Welcome to Manic Movie Monday, where one person's trash is another person's treasure. Here we celebrate the trash, the treasure, and everything in between. You know when women get stressed, we take a bath. There's a lot to unpack with this movie. Spoiler alert. Prison is not like reform school girls, and I really wish somebody would have told me. We're catfishing serial killers. We're just trying on clothes without tags and seeing what fits. Everyone is wearing mail-order lingerie. So join us every other Monday and stay manic. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted? for seven winters alone. Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.